If you were watching closely, there was a clue. Got the million dollar check written already. I mean, I'm, I'm the winner. Oh gosh, it's like a million. My wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons. Last time I played like a cop, this time I'm playing like a criminal. I don't need to be carried, the girls bro. are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them. I guess my nickname's Fabio. Each new day I get out here is a blessing because I was only supposed to get three. So I'm either gonna win. Welcome to the Winners Edit, a survivor storyline and editing podcast. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm Dan. And we're here to cover episode two of Survivor, season 42, Good and Guilty, which I have no idea where that was said, if at all. Really? For me, this was one where I was watching it, and I was like, oh, that would be a good episode title. And then on the commercial, I like I pressed the info button, and was like, oh, it is the episode title. That's awesome. Huh. It was um, it was when High ate the, the food. Oh, okay. Ate the lobster or crab or whatever. And they uh, they were like, oh, how does it taste? And it subtitles good and good and guilty. Okay, huh? Interesting. I yeah, I did not remember that at all. I guess I think they're always so game focused, and then this time it was it was not. Mm-hmm. No, it was. And like honestly, that was a powerful scene. So like, I immediately left that scene being like, oh wow, I hope this like is a continuous trend because I think. Ever since Ghost Island, they've done this thing where they just kind of have somebody monologue about their own internal struggles or whatever, and and has no bearing on anything else. And I'm always a little scared of those uh, because it's just like okay, like it was it was powerful and stuff, but at the same time, you know. A, a powerful moment that has no significance and that's all you get often can be kind of not good but the fact that this is the episode title and it was a pretty powerful scene to me is actually a good example of that i thought that whole scene was actually pretty well constructed so i know i'm glad it's the episode title yeah i think it's interesting to see here in season 42 um some sort of the social experiment scenes i mean of course we see that throughout but this one especially felt with um High's veganism and Omer being a Muslim like those are very poignant scenes that were like what we were seeing in like seasons one through five and now they're back and it's not like they've gotten tired it's like we didn't have them enough and now it's good to bring them back and see where things are now so I really like that about this episode same I I thought this was a really fun one I mean the the actual boot was there was no suspense on it, right? It was just pretty bland, I think. Mm. But bef- everything before the immunity challenge, I think, was really good and, and pretty fun. And, you know, sometimes it's just a really obvious boot and there's nothing you can do about it. And they, they tried, I think, but not well, <laughs> I don't think. There was, like, almost no suspense. But it was also, like, honestly, I kind of wish they went more into, like, Mariah's, like, made it more like a funeral episode or, Mm -hmm. like, a goodbye to Mariah episode or something. Like, maybe they shouldn't have tried to put the suspense twist on it, but... Yeah, I think, if anything, I was proud of, like, the Survivor editing team for learning a lesson here. And when they get an obvious elimination like this, really fast-tracking everything after the immunity challenge, and then giving time to scenes like what we saw. I think that was really helpful for making more interesting characters in a better season. So I I didn't hate it. Yeah, it was very unsuspenseful. And I think it was wishful thinking for me that Marianne might go home instead of Mariah. But 
uh but yeah it was pretty pretty obvious yeah and i mean i do respect them you're right like this was an episode that was more lopsided in favor of before the challenge than than we see often right like i feel like this blitz through it there was also not much to do right like they pretty much told us who was leaving before the challenge mm. <laughs> so it's kind of surprised they lost to be honest because there was so much development on who was gonna go yeah. before but yeah it, it was interesting i thought the challenge was pretty fun as well yeah I love the challenge. I don't know if that's just because blindfold challenges are interesting to watch. Um, They're a classic, yeah. But I thought, like, the the stations of it were fun. And I always like at the end when it's, like, someone guiding a blindfolded person to do a puzzle because i think that's that's more than just guiding people to places like figuring out how you tell someone to like hold a piece in their hand or how to place it like that's interesting for me to think about yeah no i thought it was fun too and i think we got some fun stuff like uh jonathan was doing his best like bring me the horizon impression like emo punk bands from when i was in grade seven uh It was great. It was just, I I was like seeing people yell and bump into things. It's a classic. Like, I think sometimes Survivor Challengers get criticized, and, but some of them, some of the classics are just good. You know, the, the blindfold is fun. Uh, and yeah, I think it had good results. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's like yeah. an opportunity for like basic slapstick comedy. Cause everyone's just running. Yes. Things. Um, you had Daniel on the side. who's was like the perfect commentator. Um, yes. And then I feel like when there's a caller, it's always like an opportunity for someone to really mess up and really set themselves apart. Mm-hmm. But then you get instances like Lydia where she absolutely crushes it start to finish and and does it so hilariously too. So, yeah. I, yeah. What she said like you two bitches get over here or something like that. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Uh yeah, it was, it was it was just good and then we just saw Jonathan like be incapable of putting what looked like a very simple puzzle together mm-hmm. i thought that was like a fun little character trait was he's like bad at puzzles like we've seen like ozzy or whoever be like joe's good at puzzles right ozzy's okay at puzzles he's not a disaster jonathan does seem to be a, like an absolute disaster mm-hmm. yeah so yeah i don't know i had fun it was a good time there's fun moments throughout i think this was an episode that balanced the serious and funny well uh, and kind of reminds me a little bit of David versus Goliath. I hope that comparison remains throughout. I think this definitely has that potential. And also, I mean, I think relevant to us, I was ranking everybody, what, 1 to 16, mm-hmm. however many people are left. Uh, and I noticed myself that this is a pretty open field, even in my mind. I still ranked them. I still have an order, but the people near the bottom don't feel dead or they don't feel like what's the point of getting to know them because they've been completely, completely eradicated or whatever. Like, I feel like we know who all these people are now, or at least know something about them. And that's pretty cool. And like, even I was talking to some casual friends and they were able to kind of know everybody something about them yeah they were thinking about interesting dynamics and that's why this even editing approach can be very good is that you can actually visualize how the game works right like oh if these two people align how would it work because you know their personalities to some degree so um i think it's been a success in that department as well yeah i agree i think it's a combination of this really even editing where everyone is at least getting content i think we tend to pick through it a little more and say what's good content what's bad content but then 
then you have a season 41 right before this, which is sort of blowing the door open and saying, hey, maybe what you expect to see isn't the way this is going to go. So I know it's definitely put a lot more um, thinking into my brain about, well, yeah, this isn't a typical winner, but I totally could see it happening and that would be okay. Like, there's plenty of room here to develop. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't think I have as many people eliminated as I did this time last season. Yeah, and in a weird way, I do think this is a worse cast than last season by quite a bit. And what I mean by that is I don't think there is anybody, like I said this last week, and I, I think it is actually the case. I don't think anybody on this cast is even as good as maybe the sixth best person last season like in terms of a character but they're all way more even last season you had shan and evie and ricard etc just being so much more interesting and like they were standout legend characters on you know a cast with other people and that inherently gave them a ton of screen time and didn't leave as much for everybody else with this it's a weird thing that i think it's a worse cast but in a way that makes maybe a better show because there isn't a shan to give all the content to that demands it right like if you didn't invest completely in shan then you are doing tv wrong whereas there's nobody on here that is a lock for survivor 50 you know and that's in a way good for the show because everyone's kind of on an even playing field that way and if someone does something cool, they can just kind of get content naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I prefer these types of seasons. Um, like, to the point where I don't care if there are these stars. I want to see the full spread. And that's just how we watch the show and what we are looking for. Um, which we talked a bit about in the premiere episode. But, but yeah, I like where it just gives people time as they need it and they really spread that around. And I mean, I guess that's the same philosophy for those other seasons. It's just that ooh, a handful of people are pulling all that energy and not letting other people have their due. But I don't know, that's what I like about this cast is I feel they are pretty even and they're like yeah. evenly good as opposed to like really great and a lot of duds. I would rather have like Agreed. evenly good. And even there, I think that there's some people, like I, I think there are some people who are clearly worse at the game, but it seems like everybody is at least a sim, like in the same ballpark, you know, like, yeah. like there's no, like last season, especially I think felt like there were NBA or, NBA players and with, like, you know, amateur league people, you know? And, like, you're basically waiting for the NBA player to set the stage. They're the pro athlete. And then everybody else just kind of moves around that game setting that they have set up. Mm -hmm. Whereas this one, it feels like everybody is in, you know, the, the amateur league, you know? Nobody, nobody has a pro contract. Nobody is the... the um, blue chip stock they're just all pretty good and like maybe one of them can grow into that but no, no one off the jump is just naturally amazing at this and i think that's kind of cool too mm -hmm. yeah like i think i'd have a hard time even saying who the best player is and i mean there's no questions last season right like maybe you had a debate between two people but i, th I think it would even be hard to come up with a, a list of exceptional players yeah i think that that is curious it's almost i don't know if there's just not enough like room for strategy on this season yet like the votes have been really simple um mm -hmm. you have one tribe that's not going to tribal council so they all just sort of are there um 
Yeah, it's a, it's interesting, but you're right. I don't feel like there's anyone who's standing out as a game player. Lots of standout characters. Yeah, at all. Not like a game player. And like the closest would be someone like what, Daniel? But it's not like, I, I, you can infer that because he's had some moments, but I still think he's defined by his character at this point more mm-hmm. than anything else. Yeah. I think that's actually kind of interesting. Whereas, I mean, last season, what Uo went to the first tribal, uh, the Sarah vote was an easy vote, but you still left that episode knowing Shan's the best player, mm-hmm. right? Like, and that's, I think, kind of an interesting, it's an interesting place to be in in 2022. Yeah, a new era, which is actually just sort of a restart. <laughs> mm-hmm. And in a weird way, they're all, like, they all know the show to some degree, right? Like, we know that from the preseason. So, they've casted more super fans, and maybe that's the answer, right? Is that more people knowing the show uh, actually makes the bottom fall out a little bit, so then everybody's just kind of capable. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't deceive these people in wild ways like you used to. Like, when you'd have, I don't know, like, Big Tom or whatever, like, just not know anything about the show and be kind of easily manipulated like you're just not getting that kind of person on the show anymore uh and maybe that's the maybe that's actually what's happening right is everybody to some degree knows what's going on so they can't be as easily deceived either yeah yeah i mean you look across this entire cast and they all know the game like none of these i feel like were recruited really i feel like they came in with some legitimate interest in the game even the people i may have thought like preseason didn't like they they do feel legitimate i think your closest are like drea and romeo but like they feel just as good as anyone else yeah totally and i mean i even in romeo's case i mean i, I think he's apparently he's a self-identified super fan mm-hmm. uh so i mean interesting that way for sure uh any other like general thoughts on this episode joe no i just thought it was sort of good and a good challenge and i was happy yeah that's my thoughts as well it was like a good episode i had a good time i maybe wish there was maybe a little like a tiny bit more coordination between the people like a little bit more like there's a lot of confessionals this episode that would be my only criticism maybe is i always like when there's more people talking Hmm. to see that naturally than confessionals but It wasn't a horrible mix or anything like that, but overall, I thought it was a lot of fun. Yep, I guess the biggest worry is that I think we were okay with the first two episodes of last season and then episode three, like, the bottom fell from under it, so we'll see. And also, I mean, I also want to point out that... All the things I just said about, you know, everybody's on an even playing field. There's no standout gamers. It's kind of fun and refreshing now. The show needs to establish some of these people as actual players in the season. Uh, And and this might be where we disagree, but (laughs) I think it's fun and and novel now. But when we're in episode seven and don't know whose opinion to trust from the audience, I think you're going to lose people to a certain degree of knowing what's actually happening right now i don't think we have a reliable narrator other than daniel maybe and i think that's an issue and that would just be my hope it's not a criticism yet because i don't think it matters yet and they have time to grow they have time to build these people build these stars but they need to do that at some point and if this is just this same tone times 12 13 episodes it's not going to be a good season they just need to build some people even a, a season like uh, david versus goliath I think had a similar structure early, but even like someone like Angelina took the lead early there and they kind of did a fun thing where they, they built Angelina strong at the start and then slowly weakened her as they built up the rest of the people. Um, but right now, nobody has that. Nobody has prestige or, or, or a threat level really right now. Mm -hmm. And they, they need to fix that part specifically, but they have time to grow there. I wish maybe 
pick one of these early boots and just pretend they're a really good player or whatever, I, I think would be actually really conducive to telling a good story. But Yeah, I think my initial thought was to disagree, but I don't know. I think even the seasons I like do the same sort of thing where they give each people their like due, but then there are these big characters and it's still enough for me to enjoy whatever they're doing in the background, but they do have big characters supporting it. So I don't know. We'll yeah, I, see. I just honestly just think we need some, tell us somebody's good at strategy, you know, <laughs> like maybe what it is is that we just had two relatively easy, boring boots and so nobody could kind of take the star role you know mm. like we just need that i think maybe like it's just a move or something has to happen just so somebody can explain and then we could be like oh that's who i'm supposed to listen to for right now they're a threat to some degree and and whoever wins will take them down or whatever we just don't have that yet we just have a bunch of people playing survivor but we kind of need that to turn into they have a role in the season a lot of these people don't have roles yet they have they're playing survivor mm-hmm. and, and like we don't have a boss you know we don't have you know, like like War Dog or whatever. There's no one who's like that right now. They're just all lovely people playing Survivor. And that's fine for right now. It's just inherently that's going to make a lot of boots seem boring. Because like, oh yeah, they were just another person playing Survivor who got voted out like Mariah. You know, not, oh my god, they voted out the War Dog. And inherently that's going to have some issues long term. But not a criticism, more a just pump some of these people up a little bit Mm -hmm. but yeah with that said let's jump here to the themes the stories i think this was a pretty rich episode for this kind of stuff and i think we're kind of penciling in what this story is about um so this part of the show we kind of just go through the themes motifs what they're saying we notice that oftentimes in survivor one behavior will be very good in one season and then be treated as a very bad thing to do in another season that's kind of why we do this segment it's a fun one for sure uh the first one that uh we talked about a lot last week was the monster in the horror movie that jeff um the analogy that survivor is the monster and last week, we really thought this was going to be huge with the Here's Marianne moment and stuff like that. And this one, I do think, took a little bit of a backseat. What do you think, Joe? I don't know. I definitely wanted to bring it up because we talked in the premiere about how Here's Marianne is like an allusion to this sort of horror movie motifs that may carry through. Um, so I just want to touch on it that, yes, it did go through these first two episodes. I'm curious to see where it goes from here, if it sticks around. I know people talked about some of the, in the premiere, some of the like body horror <laughs> So for lack of oh yeah like daniel's shoulder dislocation and high's fake blood like all of this stuff here like will that continue forward i mean the next challenge looks really scary in a sense so i think there is this sort of fear that's in the background of um of the season and i think we get a lot of that in like what people are saying like oh i don't feel i can do this or whatever i'm doing is very scary it's very hard like i know there's a lot of fear and anxiety sort of bubbling in the background of what i still think is really a lot of positive funny moments so i don't know if it's yeah all this is intentional like great work so far And the thing about, I mean, Jeff just says the horror movie. You know what's a great horror movie? Scream. And, you know, oftentimes slasher flicks are kind of associated with comedy. And I agree. I think this has been a pretty funny season. 
And I think that'll probably continue, right? A lot of the body horror that people are talking about, like, you can describe somebody dr- uh, covering themselves in blood and that'd be horrifying, right? There's a pool of blood and they're they're drenching it down their chest. But that scene is not presented that way. That scene is funny, yeah. right? It's fake blood. And that makes it a funny haha moment. It's still all the same motifs, signifiers, and everything like that of a horror movie. This week, there just wasn't those moments necessarily. Um, but I, I don't think that actually means this is not a theme. I think it just wasn't in this episode. I think it's actually probably going to continue um, as we go forward. Yep. And to me, I think I'm starting to get a pretty clear idea of what this season is about. And I think we kind of called it last week. I think it is the idea that the most well-rounded person will win. I think we got an interesting perspective on what that could mean. Last week, we were talking about, okay, so it's going to be somebody, we were talking a lot about groups, right? We were talking about, okay, it's probably going to be an alliance dominating the season. Think of an I-24 from Cook Islands or or something like that, right? Like, you know, a, a unified group that you're cheering on as we go forward. Um, and maybe the winner would be somebody who highlighted all the qualities of that group. They're physical and they're strategic or, or something like that. But I think in this, we did get Jonathan kind of talking about the idea of, well, what if you aren't well-rounded and somebody else's qualities makes you well-rounded? Does it, Are you now then a perfect person together? I think that might be what we're looking at. I think that is even more conducive to the idea of what I was saying of, you know, it being a group idea i think we are gonna get that type of thing i think we're gonna get a a an alliance like the black widows or, or something like that that when we look back on the season it's, it's the season of the brigade or, or whatever that alliance ends up being called yeah i think so far there's this idea of people being very upfront with what their strengths and weaknesses are and how they're fitting into things um so we've seen this um Omer and Jonathan both talk about how the other um, compliments them and is what they're not. So not only are they being sort of self-aware and realizing that, but they found what makes them, they literally say forming a complete person. It is this sort of going back to the horror movie stuff, like very Frankenstein-y, like a lot of Jonathan Mm -hmm. and Omer. Yeah. Um, But I think it's also interesting because without being so explicit, uh, Daniel and Mike have the same thing where Mike realizes he can bring in Daniel as someone who's strong. Daniel sort of sees Mike as someone who's maybe, or sorry, Mike brings in Daniel as someone who's smart. Daniel sees Mike as someone who's potentially very strong um, and sort of a shield or a pawn to use. Um, so there are those ideas. And then another interesting one is right at the beginning, Chanel, when she catches the crab, she talks about how she wanted to find a provider, but now she's the provider. And yeah. So talking about- she wanted to be the, uh, she wanted to be the Omar. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, there's this interesting sort of explicitness with your strengths and weaknesses and where that puts mm-hmm. you in the game that we've seen throughout. So, yeah. And I, I really do think it's going to be like, I, I'm all in on that idea. I think we really are going to see like a dominant alliance kind of dominate uh and and that be that be kind of the story Mm -hmm. and maybe it is to maybe it's a duo like maybe it is malcolm and denise or, or something like that right like i'm thinking of those kind of examples throughout survivor history uh, you know, it's the Steven and JTs and 
of the world, right? And I mean, we kind of have a pseudo one of those in here. Uh, so my eyes are big time on those sorts of pairings. And I think we'll continue to see more, right? We have Daniel and Mike. We have uh, Jonathan and Omar. We have quite a few. And I'm sure we're going to continue to get more based on this theme, honestly. Uh, so I don't know. I, to me, I'm, I really think this is probably the winner story. Um, for me, it's, it's all going to be being well-rounded. It was also brought up at, again at Tribal. Jonathan brought it up this time at Tribal. Like, it's just all over these episodes in ways. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm. Even Jenny, right? Jenny talks about the crabs, right? And, like, she's a city girl. She's not used to it, but she's going to try her best, and she's going to work with Chanel to catch all the crabs or whatever. It just, it's, it really is all over the place of, like, wanting to be more well-rounded, presenting more aspects of yourself, all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, for sure. Relevant to this theme, I think, is, and my idea there of this is going to be alliance-based. This is not going to be somebody's personal journey winning. This is going to be learning how to adapt within a group. Is the idea, I believe this is Omer says it last week, that your ability to survive is reliant on the people around you. I think that is going to remain to be the case, even if you think about the situation with Daniel and Mike. So we, we talk about the idea of them being aligned because Daniel says, I crunch the numbers, he does the stuff kind of thing. It's kind of a pawn uh, peace relationship. But then he goes to Chanel and it's a little bit more complicated. It's okay, are we going to vote out Mike or are we going to convince him not to do this thing? He can serve us value based on his existence or lack of existence in the game. And those sort of questions are really interesting, right? Because it's not what do I offer, it's what do the people around me offer me. Daniel talks about how he, you know, Mike finds an idol, but really he's the winner because he has all the information without any of the downside. And that is, I think, a pretty darn good way to sum up this sort of central theme. Yeah, I think it's, it really ties into the last thing we discussed where I think with the premiere, we may have seen a version where we could have seen a lot of second person perspective talking about a single person who just happens to be all three. But for, but now it definitely feels someone is not going to be all-encompassing of those qualities and instead it's dependent on who who you're friends with who you're aligned with and how they help flesh out who you are as a character um i think that's what's important here so i think they're very much tied together yep for sure for sure uh the other idea is kind of challenging the possible um and you know last week we had somebody say if it's easy or if it seems easy, it's not actually easy. In this episode, I didn't get a whole lot out of that, but there is so much with this, like, provider side of things, right? Like, they're, they're really trying to ham up the difficulty for sure. Mm -hmm. And ma maybe that is smart, right? Yeah. And I don't know, now that it's happened two seasons, I don't know if this is just sort of part of where production wants to go with Survivor, like enforcing or emphasizing that it is physically demanding. Where in um, seasons before this, they have maybe got used to the idea that it's it just happens to take place on a beach, but it's a strategy game at heart. So yeah, I'm curious if this is just sort of a tonal shift for the show, or if it once again sort of applies to a sort of scrappiness in the winner mm -hmm. um, to be able to hoof it on their own. And that was one of the big questions of last season, right? Is, is this relevant or not? Mm -hmm. And I think the interesting thing with Erica is it was, 
right? It really was, her story was all about adversity. It was all about changing the course of history because, you know, she had to live on the beach in the pouring rain and and all that kind of stuff, all by herself. And it was her biggest nightmare, but she's doing this as a love letter to her parents. So she's going to persevere. That was what her story was, right? It actually was the winter story in a way. And so to me, you're right. It's to me right now. It's a question mark. Is this something that is a coincidence in two seasons or should we actually be identifying people when they do? And it's always kind of been a survivor motif, right? Like I feel like the winner being shown making fire is a cross season sort of motif, right? Like that happens at some point usually. Um, So I don't know. We'll see, I think where this physical strength brutalness part comes in Mm -hmm. but at the same time if you think about it so many people have already touched this idea right like um that like the ones we mentioned jenny with the crabs and chanel with the crabs and high with the food right like it's all and i think the idea of the challenging the possible is interesting because high it's not just that he talks about i'm a vegan and it's a difficult moral dilemma that's where the meat on the bone is i think and that's where it's the most interesting uh-huh. uh, oh yeah Ugh. grotesque metaphor i guess um but <laughs> but uh the interesting thing there is that you also have him preempt that with well i i actually thought surviving would not be hard because you get rice and i kind of made that informed decision as a vegan to come on the show because i did know you know i'd be eating rice and i can survive on rice it might be hard but i could do it and that being taken away this idea oh he thought eating rice would be easy is taken away it's actually not easy he has to adapt and learn to grow from there mm-hmm. it's actually kind of an interesting and beautiful place to start a story yeah cool yep um the other one that I noticed this week, and I really don't know if it's going to be, maybe it was just a weird thing in this episode. They talked so much about breaking hearts this week. Like, obviously, we get Marianne talking about having a crush on Zach, and I have thoughts on that later. But, um, yeah, like, uh, we had that. We had um, Jonathan says that this vote's about breaking hearts. Like, you know, you have to lie to someone's face even though you like them because of the shot in the dark. So you have to break their heart and dreams. Omar talks about breaking people's dreams and, and crushing a dream. Like, there's a lot of that hmm. <laughs> this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know what it means. Generally, I only try to include these things if there is a, oh, it's totally about this. To me, maybe it's just, this is going to be a brutal... <laughs> um, like, we learn a very personal tragic story about mariah here and it's the episode she leaves you know like i i think it really is gonna be like a life is hard be realistic you know great season mm-hmm. yeah i think that complements really well with the sort of monster horror motif where i think it is starting out sort of dreamy and a lot of talk about family too like everyone gets along Mm -hmm. and i think unfortunately almost i don't know if i want to see the season go this way but i think there's a chance it sort of turns into this darker sort of nastier season where there's a lot of feelings and and hard gameplay that doesn't leave everyone in the dude you know what okay like i've been kind of dancing around this i always like last season, I I um like I always try to compare this to different seasons. Last season, I compared it a lot to Samoa, right? I used a lot of Natalie White comparisons. I used a lot like a lot of Foa Foa comparisons, stuff like that. Uh, this season, right now, Joe, it's serving South Pacific vibes to me in so many different ways. Uh, and one of them is this theme 
as well as i'm going to introduce this other one here religion in a big way Mm. all over this two episodes um we're seeing so omar is a is a muslim and he talks about the strife and struggle of being a muslim canadian uh you know throughout his entire life and how how happy he is to have such a faith-based tribe jonathan's seemingly a devout christian they're talking about all that sort of thing uh you know Lindsay's apparently not a very good jew which was a very funny moment um (laughs) but still it's so much about that right it's all about belief and faith Mm -hmm. and you know marianne's a seminary student and i I really think that's gonna matter a lot and that gave me a lot of south pacific vibes as well as what i'm saying about this group i think we might really see this kind of faith uh domination over survivor in a way that we haven't seen since south pacific Hmm. yeah and it's interesting that taku which was really dominated by this um mariah is really the only one who didn't have a part like everyone else was in some way involved with that um sort of faith conversation um and then i mean you have from last episode marianne really involves it in her summit decision um so and she talks about how christians always play the game and think oh i should have lied here instead of sticking to this which i think is a really interesting thing that sort of goes along with what we're saying where this might not take the the nicest sweetest turn of what faith can be it might I, yeah i'm with you 100 percent there and how many times in survivor history do we know confidently the religion of an entire tribe mm-hmm. we know every person on taku's religion yeah i i think that's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. thing um and we don't know many others though yeah i will say but it's a little devoid taku on the heavy. Tribe, but, but i think that's that's also interesting that it's so taku focused Mm -hmm. and i think they're a they feel like a tribe of personalities that could be the group that makes it far too so yeah and i mean i guess and like you do have i know it's not i guess it's not a hundred percent religion like we know but like there is maybe there is something to beyond this like there's like a religion and culture theme right we have swati in episode one talking about what values her parents instilled in her right we have that with romeo as well to a certain degree like we are getting that it's not quite religion but it's it's adjacent right Mm -hmm. yeah and how that informs them now as a person and that's i I really do think this is going to continue to matter and continue to grow and we'll probably know more of them i think it's going to matter quite a bit yeah I think there is a chance, if you think about 41, where it's just a good moment for Survivor to really touch on this and bring it into Survivor with, like, um, talking about the alliance of uh, Liana, Shan, um, Deshaun, and Danny um, last season. And what that meant and what it meant to break it. I think this is another one where having all these different cultural interactions with everyone on Taku, Swati, um, Mike even talks a little bit about his Puerto Rican heritage. Um, all these people coming together and what that means for, for the social experiment side, again, um, how they interact. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and that's the thing with these sort of themes it's always is it gonna like is it the winter story what's going on but i would also say i mean i think it was a it really did last season matter a lot right it did define the story of the season in ways it just it wasn't necessarily erica's story it was everybody else's and uh yeah, I mean, it's, it's something to pay attention to right now. We don't have a clear, like, we don't know, maybe this story's how that's not a successful approach in this story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we know it's going to matter, and we know 
this tribe especially, it's going to matter. So yeah, pay attention mm-hmm. um, as we move forward. Uh, and I mean, last week there was a lot of it, like generation stuff. I think there's none of that this week. Yeah, it's sort of. But maybe maybe there's a tie in there with that. I don't know. Well, yeah, I think it definitely wasn't in this episode. I think a that could mean, of course, that it wasn't as important as we were thinking. I think that's a good. Maybe just a foothold for episode one. Or it can be like, to put very simply, this person's old, this person's young. And, yeah, true. Um, but I think it's okay for it to take sort of a break here if it's not relevant, especially when Taku seems so concerned with um, their face and they went to tribal council. Yeah. Um, but- and like what's interesting, right, is so Ika or Ika is defined by their age at this point. Mm hmm. And I guess now they've been fractured on gender to a degree. Taku, it's religion. We don't have anything like that for Vati. Um, I don't know what that means, but it's kind of interesting that you can kind of divide these two tribes by X social value, but not Vati. Mm-hmm, yeah. Maybe that comes next week. Vati is is an interesting one that we'll talk about very shortly. So <laughs> For sure, for sure. Um, And then you highlighted one here. Yeah, I brought up the... I don't know. It just really stuck out to me as a line um, in the middle of Daniel and my search for the idol they'd already found um mike is talking about how he left it at a lie in there and daniel is talking and he means it in the context of the thing but it really stood out to me he says well yeah there's lots of lies because you know the paths are always diverting and it's just a weird turn of phrase to say that i feel and it just stuck out to me i think it it very much could be just a one-time thing but Maybe there's this idea. It sort of resonates with what Marianne said at Tribal Council about plans, where there's like a plan A, B, C, and then D, and then plan A, subset A, like plan A, subset B. Like there's this idea of almost parallel universes or realities um, and like what the decision points are, I think. So I just have my eye on it. It's not anything actually big, I think, but interesting. I, I agree, and I mean, yeah, I, also that was a very funny scene, as we'll get into mm-hmm. shortly, but yeah, I mean, it was it, it was definitely a line that caught my eye as well, and I'm like, hmm, interesting, and yeah, I don't know what it can mean, but continue to look for more. <laughs> so, b- beyond that, I mean, we're going to continue to be scraping these things for anything that we may miss in what the season is all about anyway. Let's jump here to the castaways. So, we got our three tribes, we're going to start with the one that hasn't lost somebody in Vati. And it's kind of interesting that this is a tribe that still hasn't gone. And yet they get a good amount of content here, right? Like they get a lot of development um, in, in a pretty fun way. Yeah. Vati is this interesting tribe of, it's like the most competent tribe I think we've ever seen. Like they don't go to tribal council. Yeah. And they don't feel like they should be going to tribal council. They were behind in the immunity challenge. And I was like, well, if any tribe can pull it out, it's body. So it is, yeah, very interesting. And they all, they're not all the highest on my winner contender list, but yet they all feel very winner contendery. They don't feel right, like they've, yeah. they've strayed too far from the mold. Maybe their content doesn't feel quite right, but they all feel like winners in some ways still. Yeah, I'm going to throw something out here. I think any of these people could win a different season of Survivor. Mm -hmm. You know, like, if you just put them on a different tribe, like, I think they are all people who could be winners. And I am not somebody that believes anybody can be a winner uh, of Survivor. Um, And they all feel like they could be good winners, you know? Like, I I really don't know what what they were doing assembling this tribe, (laughs) especially with these other two tribes. It's not like there aren't 
like people that like how do I put this? I couldn't picture any of these people being pre-swap boots or pre-jury boots even. Mm-hmm. But it's going to happen, right? Yeah. It feels like one of them has to go, unfortunately. And yeah. And it's and also a tribe I like. Like, four of the five Yeah, I like them a lot. ...are in my top five for this episode. Like, just as favorites. Not, like, contenders, but, like, who I liked to watch. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you there. I love this tribe. And they're so good. It's making me be like, okay, shoot, who's leaving? You know, like, because I am considering a lot of this tribe as winners. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, well, someone's not, right? Like, I imagine, like, if, if I believe we know, Jeff said at the same, at, at the start, right, that this is the exact same format, right? So that means there's no swap. He said they were doing similar things, but not everything might be the same. That being okay. said, I do think that probably stays the same. Because, yeah, I think. Yeah, I've been part. operating under the assumption there's no swap. If there's no swap, I don't think this is a tribe that's going to luvu it and win out, you know? And so then I'm like, oh, shoot, so who isn't making it? Mm -hmm. And it's really made me kind of reconsider some people I was considering fairly high just based on edit alone. Like, just, like, pure, oh, you know, this person's got the foundation or whatever. Um, Just because it is so stacked. I think this might be one of the most stacked tribes of all time. Yeah. But, yeah, let's jump here to... Our girl Chanel. That is a good episode for her. Yeah, she's an interesting... Oh, go ahead. No, you go. I was going to say, she's an interesting one where she almost needs episodes one and two. Because I think one, you might think the pieces are there, but it's also very easy to like, she's the least important person in this premiere. And then this episode comes in and you're like, oh, I get it. She's like there. She's interestingly always involved in like what Daniel is doing. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she is a strong contender, especially coming off an Erica win. Like, it feels almost like what Erica could have been, where they're not over overexposing her, but she's there. And yeah, she's my she's my number two now. <laughs> number two? Yeah. I have her number four. Uh, I get where you're coming from. I even think I'm overrating her a little bit, but yeah, I'm with you there 100%. And it's hard to know. I... Like, last season, I kind of came out at some point saying, hey, we're going to get a bad winner. And, again, no, no, and by bad winner, I meant less dominating or whatever. I think I was right. This season, I have no idea. I don't, based on our themes yet, well-rounded could be code for so many different things, it's hard to know. Generally, through these themes, you can read what type of winner it is. I don't know yet. Talk to me in a couple weeks. If Chanel's winning, I feel like she's a pretty strong winner. Um, But she's not the biggest personality but she's not a small personality either. Mm. And she can get a lot done with two lines. Yes. And that's something I noticed about her as well. Is she, she's got a strong presence, even if she's not the best, like most like dynamic confessionalist. It's like when she speaks, you listen. And that's a cool freaking awesome quality. So the only giant red flag is that she's only talking about Daniel basically. Right. That's, that's, her relationship i think her the flip side though oh go her scene with jenny and the crab really helped because it was her outside Mm -hmm. of that and it was an interesting sort of parallel to the themes as we talked about so so yeah i think that is interesting especially for a tribe that i don't think is going to go to tribal a ton i think yeah you just need to sort of yeah if they're going it's like once yeah establish her a bit but don't overdo it like where you don't need to 
And I think that helps give time to these other characters who are, I don't want to say more entertaining. I really like Chanel. She's not like, like you said, dynamic. She's not like, I don't know. She's not Marianne. (laughs) I mean, who is? But um, but yeah, it lets the edit give time to those people. And yet we still know who Chanel is. Yeah. And the thing that people, and it's something that I find so interesting because even in discussions with super fans sometimes people don't even realize this happens because most people don't think about every episode as like a in-depth little art piece right like most people watch the show and then when it's done they pick who their favorite was kind of thing right Mm. like you go back to micronesia poverty's not that visible until the merge but i think if you were to say poverty's not that visible in micronesia the season where she wins i I think people will be like, you're saying Parvati wasn't that visible? Are you kidding? Like, Survivor icon? Like, people forget that stuff, right? Like, if you're a big, if you're a, if you have a strong presence, you can get a lot done in a couple lines. Parvati has that quality. Chanel has that quality. They don't need to be all over the episode for you to remember them. So I totally agree there. Uh, And I 100% agree that the provider scene is what put her up there for me. Because it gives her context. Mm-hmm. We understand in an interesting way that I don't know if we've really seen before, and I'm kind of liking that they're bringing this into it. What their going in strategy was. We know that Chanel would probably love to work with Jonathan, and we don't even need to see a conversation. You know, like we know she was going to work with the provider person, mm-hmm. and because of reality of the world and the tribe, she didn't have that opportunity, and so she's thrust into that position. That's actually so much more information than just I'm hunting a crab. That's how she views herself as not that, but more than everybody else here. Yeah, I think it sets her really up really interestingly with what has happened with Mike, where I think he's sort of seen as the provider, and now there's this idol in the way that maybe the best move is to vote him out. And to have Daniel sort of bringing that up sort of puts Chanel in the decision point there. So I think yeah. that's interesting. And let's not forget, like, knowing Edgic, it's way better if you're the person only... if Like, if you're only going to talk about one person and you're so tied to one person, it's really good if that person's also a contender, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that Chanel's talking about Daniel is a whole lot better than if her only content was about Lydia, who was not on the episode, right? Like, like that's actually very good um, for her because Daniel could leave, Daniel could get medevaced, Daniel could get voted out, whatever, and Chanel's still there and she can restart her story in a way, right? Like, Erica and Deshaun was that early on, right? Erica talks about liking Deshaun a lot and then Deshaun gets a lot of content and then it's about their rivalry, right? Yeah. Um, That could totally happen here too and that's totally fine and yeah, I mean, I, I'm very high on her. I also like her a lot mm-hmm. and considering she hasn't been the, the most visible, I think that means it's, it's a good found and we'll continue to see more yeah i think going back to what we were talking about at the beginning i think if anyone is playing the best game i think it's chanel and i think if anyone suddenly maybe has the most ability to turn into that like big star game player i think it's also her agreed yeah i agree i think if we look back and that's what i was trying to say with my poverty yeah, comparison right. i think if if chanel wins i think it could be that mm-hmm. right like i think it could be like what do you mean she wasn't around that much early like you know I, I really think she has that in her. Um, and I'm kind of expecting it either way. Even if she's not, like, I have her number four. Even if she's not the winner, I think we're going to look back at the season probably as a season where Chanel freaking dominated. Yeah. So, 
yeah, I think she's going to be a big character. And I don't think people are, as far as I've seen, aren't on that scent, but... I think people are getting there. I think... It's, she's a tricky one where she did have that really quiet premiere, and I think that's throwing people yeah. off stuff. So. Agreed. And the thing with the premiere is you just have to remember them, right? Like, even like even if you go back and watch 41, someone who was as... And we'll probably make a lot of compare Or Erica comparisons... Uh, not Comparicas, uh, <laughs> to Erica this season, she's actually all over that premiere. And when you go back and watch it, knowing she's the winner, you're like, how did we, everyone not see this right away? Like, in our theme song, we have the, oh my god, it's like a million! And she has the literal first confessional, and then she has another one. Like, she is actually centered on all over that premiere. And, you know, you just kind of forget that stuff. Even we do, right? Like, who dissect these things all over. So, um, that's maybe the one star on her. She actually doesn't have any of these, like, she doesn't talk to Jeff on the beach. She doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, there's nothing like that. And looking back, I mean, the last Modern Survivor is actually dominated by people having those winter lines. Literally in the marooning, right? Nick has that. Erica has that. Um... Like, it really is a, a, a strong quality there. Chanel doesn't, but everything else is pretty good. Yeah, and I think the thing is, there are seasons where that doesn't happen. And so, mm-hmm. it's easy to point those ones, because that's a really poignant moment. But, yeah, they're also the cases where it doesn't. Yeah, they, totally. Like, the editors like to get cute. That's, a, that's an important thing to remember, and they want to establish the winner episode one. But they're not going to, like, necessarily make their tricks that clear. Um, I actually rewatched 41's premiere the other day. And the first three confessionals are Xander, Deshaun, and Erica. Hmm. Like, that kind of stuff matters. Um, but you have no way of knowing what of those things matters, you know? And yeah. so, huh. yeah, that brings us to Daniel, who had a huge episode. And last week, I think I was pretty critical. I was like, oh my god, he comes off like a, such a dweeb. I can't. I actually kind of like him now. This was a good episode. This was, this presented him as a actual person and not just like a human survivor encyclopedia. <laughs> um, so I, I liked him a whole lot more this week. I really liked the scene with him and Mike. That was hilarious, especially when you could tell he didn't want to laugh at Mike, but he just couldn't not break. That was really fun. Yeah. He's a great character. I, I, I really. I mean, I liked him in the premiere too, but he is someone I think preseason. I was a little. Ugh, he's what a, a tiresome super fan. And like I said, we we ditched the one that could have been that, and now we have Daniel, who's an actual good character. So yeah, no, I totally agree with you, and I'm glad of the super fans that he, this is the one still in. Uh, for sure. <laughs> and uh, overall, like, I'm extremely high on Daniel. I have him as number two on my winner contender list. Uh, mostly, and he has some good confessionals and, and all that sort of stuff. And he's in the narrative in a, in a big way. He's got Mike. So he's got that kind of well-rounded player stuff. Uh, but the real reason I have him high is we referenced it earlier in the challenge where he's sitting out. He's getting all this content. That, to me, is the real reason he's number two. Hmm. I I had him number one for a while. They don't do this very often, the extreme focus on the sit-out. Yeah. But he's all over the... He's remarking on everything in this challenge. Hmm. And there's a lot of focus on him. It reminds me a lot of Jeremy Collins in Cambodia when he eats the balut after the challenge or whatever. Or, like, or JT with the spitting the tooth out, like... They love unnecessary focus 
on challenges and their winners and Daniel sitting out and getting all these lines to talk about people because you know they're doing that every time somebody sits out but Daniel's getting the zoom ins and everything and the challenge is almost narrated by him that's why he's number two for me Hmm. I don't know I saw that kind of neutrally I don't know if I feel as strongly about it. I think we often don't really have opportunities to see them, so it is interesting. Or, like, we don't have opportunities to see the winner in a sit-out position this early. Um, So, I don't know. There is something interesting about that. But I think also Daniel is just funny. And I think when you have this slapstick blindfold challenge and Daniel's being legitimately really quippy and funny, like, you have to showcase it. I don't know. And this is the sort of season, or at least it is now, where they want to play up these comedy moments and this humor and this big energy so so i found it kind of neutral i mean all that being said he's my number three (laughs) like he's right behind chanel um so yeah i think he is a character who is more than just the sort of like dweeby super fan that he may have come off as so yeah Mm -hmm. No, I agree. I think he's at least a main character. Mm-hmm. Honestly, my biggest fear for him is every scene you see him, he's still holding that shoulder. Um, and honestly, if he wasn't doing that, I might have him number one. Did you see him in this episode? Holding yeah. Him? I See, I didn't catch that much, so. I did, and... Like, it's weird because it's, like, outguessing it, but I'm like, could this be he was gonna, he he totally would have won if he wasn't medically evacuated or, like, that's my only fear for him, really, is it kind of feels like there could be a, that side of it, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting, though, to think that he could get evacuated, leaving Chanel in this sort of, like, swing position. Yeah! And maybe that's what paved Chanel's victory. And that's why she's so associated with Daniel right now. And literally, like, I kind of wish we talked about them in different orders, because I was kind of imagining that. I'm like, Daniel's story does kind of seem tied with, like, I feel a sense of doom with Daniel. Like, there's something there in his story. It probably is the shoulder, but I just, I feel like it might be he burns too bright too quick, or he's he's leaving, or something like that. Because, yeah, I mean, I can just see Chanel without him. And maybe, maybe you're convincing me that maybe I should switch those two, because, yeah, like, I can just see the Chanel confessional when Daniel leaves, going on a warpath you know mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> it'll be interesting but he was a lot of fun this week he hits the themes pretty well that's why i have him number two um but yeah i i mean overall like he's a pretty fun character i think he's probably one of the better players yeah i did cringe a little bit when he's like oh jeff probst had a good idea that made <laughs> me also yell dweeb at my tv but <laughs> That's like bootlicking, but um, beyond that, I mean, he like he's fun when he's not <laughs> unbearable, but he's only unbearable for like ten seconds, and he's pretty fun outside of it. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm rooting for him myself, and I just hope that we one stay on the like. I hope he doesn't turn into full full nerd vibe, but uh, I also like. I feel like we've seen enough nerds kind of win or or dominate like i i kind of would like him being maybe the merge boot or, or something like that like let chanel have that story like i don't know i i'm way more a fan even christian makes it to six right like so he doesn't have the opportunity to be the torch passer mm-hmm. i kind of want to see that that would be kind of fun yeah yep um so i mean speaking of fire that brings us to high who i loved this episode for high uh last week i believe i had him number five 
he's dropped for me, but not in terms of any like I I I don't even think I'm less sure that he's a contender. It's just more other people got better stuff. Hmm. I think this is a pretty good episode for him. It's just other people got more percentage points and that inherently drops him a lot. So he actually dropped the most for me, <laughs> but I'm not down on him if that makes sense. Um I, I don't know. I, I loved this scene. I really was captivated by this discussion, especially how it was handled. So it was pretty beautiful, to be honest. Uh, I'm very curious what you think about Hyjo. I think, okay, so he stayed the same. He's still at nine. I, I think I feel worse about him, though. His, like, edit just doesn't have the right beats. Like, I don't think this scene, it was poignant and good as a TV moment, but it's not... I think good for a winner as we know them. I mean, the weird thing is that I say all this and then I think, well, maybe this is something new. It could be. It's not negatively portrayed. It's very interesting. It's very nuanced. Um, but it's not. It feels very growth at it right now. And yeah, I'm not. I'm not feeling the greatest about High's chances, especially yeah, for, I'm kinda... for someone. I think when we were talking about high preseason, we were like, yes, this is a huge contender, knows what he's doing, will sort of hit the ground running. And I don't know if it's just the sort of body, like, is stagnant, but they just sort of, he's kind of there. We're not seeing him really capitalize or yeah. do anything. Yeah, that's a good point. And maybe I am a little bit lower on him, because I also have him around nine. But, like, in a way, I could see this being the start of a winter story. Like, because it is framed around, like, I care about this so much, I'm not willing to be behind. Mm -hmm. The issue is that there's no after, you know? There's no, he does that, and then afterwards he forms an alliance with whoever, right? We know he's close to Lydia. Lydia's not on the TV show. <laughs> so, it's not, like, it's, it's the same issue with, like, theoretical with Chanel, right? It's... Well, I'm really high on Chanel over High, even though High got a little bit more. They're in the same spot where they're talking about somebody a lot. The issue is that the person High's talking about is just not on the TV show. So it means they're kind of dispensable. Um, that's what gives me pause for High, personally, is that his number one is still presented as Lydia. And I don't know if she's very long for this game. Mm -hmm. uh, so, <laughs> um, that's my criticism there of high i really like him a lot i think he could grow right like it's what him Lindsay, and drea still have that alliance he still has that advantage he's gonna matter the issue is i'm starting to think more and more he could be the one that gets voted out for it hmm. i don't know i feel i feel weirdly strong that he could be in the finale but i just don't think Ooh. he's like winning that's fine i mean I, so you think he do, do you, i guess yeah so i do you think so you think he makes the merge right uh-huh and you think he has, so you think he has like some sort of longevity built in? I don't, but I think I have a higher win shot for me than you do, which is interesting because I could see him being the one who takes the fall for this twist. Hmm. I think like between Lindsay and Drea, maybe Drea does, but yeah, I don't know. I could see a case where Drea just sort of gets taken out without anyone knowing about this, and so like maybe High gets like pulled into the Taku group and they just actually use it together. Right? Yeah, it's very possible. Um, yeah, I it's weird, right? Because. See, I don't understand this twist if there's no swap, hmm. right? Like, now that I'm thinking about it, like, is this twist not terribly stupid if there's no swap? Because it's just random then, effectively? Yeah, that's true. 
Huh, maybe there is a swap then. Like, I don't know how you design, but we saw a lot of stuff make no sense with the layout last season. <laughs> but how do you design this without a swap? I don't know. Yeah, it does feel like thinking that this season could go to merge without swaps. There's all this stuff where, oh, Marianne's going to go, but her double vote won't even matter. Or <laughs> just the, the potential. I mean, we saw it with Brad. The potential for things to just leave without mattering to that person. Yeah. And weird. still get TV time. Yeah. We've seen they'll still show it, right? <laughs> um, so... Yeah, it's wild for sure. But yeah, you've softened me on high. And he doesn't, like, he fits the story a little bit, like, but not perfectly, right? Mm -hmm. He feels like We don't know what his strengths are. He's more building the themes. He's, like, building mm -hmm. the house of themes for someone else to live in. Yeah, I agree with that. That's actually a really good way to put that. Uh, any other thoughts on high? Nope. So, Joe, I freaking love Jenny. <laughs> um, And I'm so scared for her. I want to be high on her like there's a version of my winter contenders list that had her on it i believe last week i had her number four i she's my favorite or up there anyway she's one of my favorites she's just so charming she made me laugh like crazy with the crabs i'm very low on jenny joe and i don't want to be and i don't want to vocalize that <laughs> But I, I just don't see it, and I, I do think I've seen a lot of people be high on her. I get where it's coming from. Last week, I was there with you. This week, she just did not get enough to come out of that shell. Yeah, she's a, an interesting one, where I, too, like her a lot. Like, she wasn't in this episode a ton, but she was enough to... I mean, I shouldn't say that, because my, like, favorite person from this episode, you have been saying, is not in the episode, so... Um, but, I don't know, she was just really captivating, and I think... Almost in a similar way to Chanel, I think they both have this charm that can sort of like transcend through the TV and sway us into sort of yes! in there in their ability. I think with Jenny, I'm seeing even less sort of framework in the edit that there's stuff going on or like there's holes like mm -hmm. still the thing sticking in my head was how little like no one cared what happened with these people when they came back from the summit um i don't know i think she did have some interesting bits where like she's still mike's number one she's there with chanel like it, it doesn't feel the most put together if it's the winter story which i mean we've had a not so put together winter story or at least told very interestingly so yeah i'm also very low on her she is there 15 left she is 13th um okay but, but yeah yeah, I think I have her 13th as well. And I'm, like, really scared she's going to be a pre-merge boot. Um, I don't think she's the one in danger on this tribe. I don't either, but I just... I, maybe this tribe loses twice or something. Like, I don't see her getting through two votes. Like, to me, Chanel, Daniel, if not Medivact, Hi, and Mike are making the merge. That leaves Lydia and Jenny. I actually think Lydia's going... I think Lydia's probably making the merch too. Um, cause she got that like edited confessional, like the, the, um, Christian Hubicki, she's ranting about things confessional. To me, that means Lydia's probably gonna pop later. Hmm. Jenny, I feel like is getting just enough that I'm like, she could go. Like they, they're <laughs> giving her enough that we know who she is so that when they vote her out, it's, you still know who she is. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I want to not think this, Joe. I really like her. Um, it hurts me. Uh, but I think this is, like, 
sometimes what likable people who leave pre-merge get, you know? Like, it's, you get enough to check in on them, and they make you laugh or smile, and, but... That's it. Yeah, I think I think there are cases. It sort of reminds me of Ghost Island, where there are very captivating characters who the show clearly wanted to see go farther, who don't, and then they have to give them their due, but also they have to go. So yeah, yeah no, Joe, Jenny is freaking uh, Morgan. That's who she is. Like that's the vibe she gives to me is Morgan. I think that's her name, right? The one who got the four, like the, when Chris went to Exo- to yeah. Ghost Island, mm-hmm. that one, yeah, Morgan, like the dolphin trainer, that's who she reminds me of in the story. Like, getting her due, being shown is pretty strong, but there's just something missing. Like, we haven't really seen her talk about Mike. Yeah. That's such a red flag to me, because that's going to make the TV show. He told her about the idol in this episode. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what she thinks about him. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bad. It's so... It's such a... uh, It's so bad, and I don't want it to be the case. But I actually do think if they go, it's her. And I hate it. Like, and I'm sure it's probably they are going after Mike, but then decide they need the idol or something. Like, I'm sure it's something stupid like that if they go. But I... I guess my hope is they just don't go where I'm wrong. See, I think you're wrong. Honestly, I hope they don't go. I think you're wrong because I think in the same way, like, my favorite is also the first boot on this try. So, um... <laughs> is that good for Jenny, then? I, like, longevity-wise, yes. <laughs> I still... I don't... Oh, I meant for our coverage. I don't know. I, I guess... Do you want to move to Lydia? What was that? Oh. Do you oh, want okay. to move I to understand. Lydia? <laughs> I thought you meant, like, is it legit, like, qualitatively good? <laughs> like good or bad um yes let's move to lydia and stop being confused yeah what are your thoughts on lydia joe i i loved her this episode she is my number one favorite person on this episode just from her challenge performance alone um yeah also not great on her chances like it hurts right like you want to be able to stand and stand enthusiastically right mm-hmm. like yeah it's very i don't know She's below high, right below high, in the way that, like, A, maybe wishful thinking. Like, definitely wishful thinking. But let's play in this space a little bit. Maybe, like, I mean, Vadi's not going to tribals. Like, it's just not important to showcase Lydia, um, except where she's funny and memorable. So, I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's about the most positive I can say. She she just feels the most irrelevant on this tribe. And I think, thinking of what happened to Mariah, I think that's a really bad sign for Lydia and Vadi. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, honestly, the only thing that makes me think she's lasting long is that she got that confessional that was all spliced together and stuff. And, like, that probably took, like, 30 minutes of editing time. <laughs> you know, like, um, and that's, like, honestly the only thing, because maybe you're right. Maybe Jenny's saving gra- and. I think I would rather lose Lydia than Jenny. And so it's fun that we're kind of in this mirror where we both prefer the other, but it's one of the two, right? Like, Mm -hmm. if they go, like... um, And to me, I just think Lydia feels more like Andrea and Game Changers or pick your... um, you know, survivor of the week that is invisible in the pre-merge and then is a big character at the merge. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like, that's an archetype Um, at this point, right? Like, there's somebody that they like enough that they're going to show, but they're like, ah, they come eighth. We can highlight them at 13. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or, like, a Victoria is probably a good example. Um, 
that's where Lydia fits for me in my mind is a Victoria Baymonde or a Andrea Game Changers, something like that, where they establish, hey, pay attention to this person, and then they vanish for six, seven, eight episodes, but then they really matter for like four. And then you remember it as like, like you don't remember Game Changers as like, Andrea was the most invisible contestant of all time at one point, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, like I remember those kind of headlines coming out because I'm a nerd. But when you think back on Game Changers, you're like, oh, Andrea had a threat, was a threat to win, you know? Like, yeah. Um, that's where I get Lydia, to be honest. And it's kind of out guessing because you're totally right. Like there is a possibility just in terms of similar content that she's a Mariah and it's just an easy boot. But I think there's two factors working against that. One, similar to what I was saying before of building people into characters. I don't think you can vote out three quite people in a row. Like you're going to lose viewers because it's like, why do I care who leaves? You know, like um, I think that would matter. But also that she just has a little bit more of a story. We know that she is neurotic, and that actually hasn't mattered yet. And that, to me, is plot armor for Lydia. I feel like it's something, though, that can be explained. It's very weak plot armor. Yeah, it can be explained in an episode and dealt with. And I think you're right that maybe maybe they'll refrain from doing the same sort of, like, it's this person or this person, and the person who's going is obvious. Storyline, like, in a row. But if you spice that up with, like, there's there's this, like, shocking boot in between that, like, it still makes sense for her to go, so. You're right, yeah. I, I, I t- actually kind of agree with you there. Like, I think that if Vadi loses the next challenge, Lydia's safe. Mm-hmm. If, I don't know, Ika goes and Drea leaves in a crazy blindside or something, or, you know, Jonathan leaves or something, then, yeah, I agree, Lydia could totally go. Um, I just think they would be, like, there's no way the three least visible people leave in a row, I feel like. But, I don't know, I'm actually a lot higher on her than you. I think she could win. I have her higher than Jenny. Um, not much. I have her higher than Jenny. I have her in 10th. Okay, okay, cool, okay. I have her, let's see. Oh, I, never mind, I don't have her higher than you. But I do have her higher than Jenny. Um, (laughs) probably around 10th as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just, like, it could win. It's not likely, but it's enough that I... You can kind of imagine it, and I just I just don't think she's gonna like. I just think there's more story there, and, and that's usually what I'm tracking. You're right that it's like she has plot armor, but it's like it, the weakest leather armor. Like it's like level one, like <laughs> beaver pelt, you know. But it's enough to protect her from me until it pops off. Because other than that first confessional, we don't know that trait about her. So they they told us that for a reason. Maybe it is that's why she leaves. Everybody's just like, oh. She's so neurotic, but we haven't seen that yet. So uh, until that happens, um, I'm going to be not expecting her departure. Hmm. I think I'm just, I'm different. I've been like burned too many times of being like, oh, this person's still a story, and then then Survivor gets you and like twists it. So I I feel yeah. like she doesn't have enough to to stick around, unfortunately. And all these people have story to some degree too. Like like we said, this is just a sack tribe, so somebody goes and leave if they go. So. Mm-hmm. Sucks to suck if it's you. Should have been randomly ass- uh, allotted into a different tribe then, huh? Yeah. Um, that brings us to Mike. So, Mike is an interesting one. Last week, he was my number one contender. He was your number two? Number right? five. Number five. So, not a great week for Mike. <laughs> um, I think we can both say that. Yes. And yet, yet, Joe, he clings on as my number five. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was... 
a terrible episode for him. I mean, it was a great episode for him because it was really, really funny. Like, it made me laugh so much. Even just after I watched the episode, thinking about it made me laugh, you know? Like, it's just something that, like, 41 seasons, people are always like, oh, well, what else is there to show? We've never seen that before, you know? Like, it's just a really funny thing. So, I love that he lost the idol. It's just, it's so funny, and it looks like on the next time on, he lost it again. That's just unbelievable content. I can't. Um, at the same time, I think that's why we've seen a lot of people sell him, like, hard. Like, Mike's stock was so high last week that it had to get shorted this week. Unless he, you know, like, declared, like, proposed to Jeff Probst live on the beach or something, right? Um, he was gonna go down. And I think I saw a lot of people put him down too hard. I still have him number five because this was an amazingly funny thing to happen. This bad content's getting shown no matter what, I think. Like, this is the kind of thing that does get shown no matter what. Um, I don't think it reflects that badly on Mike. I think it's just a funny thing that happened. Yeah, I think I'm very gracious that I perused a bit of the Edgic subreddit before and saw someone basically say, like, yeah, they're not not going to show this. Um, So I think it was that first one that, like, sort of saved him i could have maybe still had him in my top five if it were just like this episode's worth of losing the idol i think it's two episodes worth of losing the idol that has me a little on edge but yes that that being said i only took him down from fifth to seven i guess okay okay i think i'm way more cautious of a lot of people who are lower on this list and I think what happened to Mike here was less less drastic. And he also has really strong content otherwise. Yeah. Like if he had not he does. if he had not lost the idol, this is a really great sort of I think scene for him. Even with I think Chanel and Daniel possibly plotting his demise. Like he's Yeah, like, I don't think that matters at all. I don't think Mike's gonna go. I think this to me, if anything, reads like fake adversity. You know, I, I think it's very clear they're not actually thinking about voting him out. It's just something they said. I don't know. I feel like he could go. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So I know, but I also think you're right. There is this strong possibility. It's just like they use him, or he doesn't go. So yeah, I think it's not as bad as as I think a lot of people saw it to be. Yes. Yeah. Last week, I think I would have. Like, I think I would have taken the bet that he's in the finale. You know, like, if, you know, bet me $50 that Mike is in the top six or five or whatever they do their finales with now. I would have taken that. This week, I don't know if I'd take it, but I'd be cl- but I'd be close to it. Hmm. I'd have to really think about it, because you're right. His, to me, his win equity went down, like, 10%, and his not making the finale boot potential went up, like, 50%. Hmm. <laughs> and so it's a weird thing to evaluate, where I think it's way more likely he's not going far in this game. But I, I think he's actually not that much less likely to win. Uh, he does have amazing content from episode one. You're right, other than the fact that he lost the idol. This actually is a pretty good episode for him. Like, we get him to establish a better relationship with Daniel... He gets to find an idol. He talks about being a fan watching at home. Like, there's a lot of new information introduced for him. And his story has a beginning and a middle at this point. Um, You're right. The next time on is the single biggest thing dropping his win equity. Because you're right. If it was just this episode, haha, funny. You know, I get it. And the next time ons are misleading. But they usually actually show a thing that happened. And the thing that happens again makes me lose a lot of faith in Mike's strategic ability. (laughs) So, 
Yeah, I, I have him fifth, maybe reluctantly. I'm almost embarrassed to have him fifth. Um, I just don't think anybody else is higher. Sure, yeah, I think, I feel like, I don't know if I'm getting more critical as I cover more seasons, but my list sort of pinches to, like, people I want to consider, like, much shorter very quickly. And so I only have four, but, but yeah, I get that feeling where there's, like, not as many people as I would like to see, despite it being very evenly balanced. So, I totally get that. Yeah, uh, and honestly, I would leave him off my chart. Mm-hmm. To me, I would also have four people, uh, just because I'm so... Honestly, I could probably get away with three, but I'll stick with four um, on my actual Edric chart. Because, yeah, like to me, the drop-down between my fourth place and Mike is big enough that I would leave him off. Mm-hmm. Especially my top three is just so much higher than everybody else for me. Mm-hmm. But our conversation about Chanel, maybe maybe, maybe that is four. Um, so that brings us to Ika. Not a great tribe, Joe. Not, yeah, not. <laughs> they're just like not relevant, weirdly. <laughs> like other than Tori, they're not relevant. They feel like they're drifting away from the other two tribes. Like the other two tribes have already gotten to this game of Survivor, where it's only it's already like eleven people, and Ika is just five people living on a beach, thinking they're playing right. Survivor. What's the uh, celebrity show that's not tough as nails? That is Beyond the Edge. Like, if you, if this was, if you, like, I I feel like to a casual viewer, you could trick them that these people were the Beyond His Edge commercial. I think if you spent, like, an hour, you could do it. (laughs) And, um, does not bode well for their chances. Um, I think there's, like, some people on this tribe that could win, but it would have to be, like, they're uh, rejecting their previous tribe or the only one left or something. Yeah, I also, they're just, like, my least favorite people on this season. Like, four of the five of them are my bottom four for, like, favorites. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I definitely get where you're coming from there. Um, yeah, it's not, it's not their best work, um, as a tribe. I really wish they switched Vadi with this tribe up a little bit. Like, I don't know who needs to be here. Like, maybe switch Jenny and Drea or something. I don't know, something, but. The calculations are just wrong. I feel like they don't have chemistry. Mm-hmm. All their camp life scenes are awkward as hell. Yeah. Like, there was that scene between Tori and Drea that was, like, in Swati that was, like, pain-inducing. <laughs> like, Drea's like, let's make this all-girls alliance. And then Tori says, like, is that the first time you're thinking of this? <laughs> like, they don't have any chemistry at all. All yeah. and like ro- like Ordrea sitting in the <laughs> the fucking smoke of the fire, <laughs> and then Roxroy's like get out of the smoke, and she's like I told you I want to be in the smoke. Like what is <laughs> what what are these conversations? It just feels so dreary over there. <laughs> like it feels yeah, they're not having any fun. Legitimately, the weather feels better. Like the weather feels amazing at Taku. Like, it's sunny and great. Like, body's always, like, lush forest jungle vibes. And then Ika's, like, gray and sad. <laughs> yeah! 
Yeah, it's just wild, and I, like, I was tempted to be edgy and put this entire tribe last, but I didn't do that. Uh, I think some of them have a little bit of equity, um, so I, yeah, I we'll go. I have some of them dangerously high, but, like, thinking <gasps> about what we're saying makes me think I might lower some of them, so. Yeah, like, on paper, some of them don't seem that bad, and then you, like, really think about it, and you're like, is this how they would present them? Like... But we'll get into it. Mm -hmm. Um... So let's start with Drea. I love her, and I was so wrong preseason. I know we said this last week, but I thought she was a dud preseason. And she's not. She is lovely. I think she is such a fun character. Uh, her laugh makes me so happy. Um, I just... I love her so much, uh, and I love her approach to the game so much. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just so here for the Drea train. Yeah, she's the star of this tribe, the only one that escapes the bottom four, and like, I need her to survive and get away. <laughs> the bottom four of contenders or favorites? Favorites. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. So yeah, I think I don't know. What makes Drea interesting is that she's really the only person who got this, like, she's in trouble, but she didn't go to tribal, so it's okay, like, edit, which I think isn't the worst, but it's just, like, all these other sort of features surrounding it that make me think, like, being on Ika or, like, not being covered in the summit afterward, like, just doesn't have me very high on her chances anyway. Yeah, this is not how you present a winner. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I I, have her second last, um, and I have her in, like, a separate category. It's not quite eliminated, but it's pretty darn close to eliminated. Um, I just cannot imagine this is the portrayal you give a winner. Um, and I think that's the thing, is, like, last season, the whole time, even when I wasn't necessarily high on Erica at times... At no point was I like, if Erica wins, it's a departure from the way to view Survivor. If Drea wins, it is a departure for me on how to view early Survivor. I think, I don't know if it's like the blue of both tribes, but if Ika goes this sort of Luvu direction where they just have this sort of carousel of like boots and strategy that never come to fruition, like say they went to tribal once and then that was it. Like maybe, maybe Drea is the one who's surviving out of that. But I don't know. I think there's actually better picks based on the content they've got. So Agreed. Yeah. I, I totally agree with you there. She gets no, like, she just doesn't have context, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, she doesn't really have a story. She has, she's involved in events and she's involved in interesting ways. But there's no, her perspective on what that looks like, right? It's just, she's there. Yeah. She makes this uh, woman's alliance, but we don't know why. We don't really know what drifts her away from Roxroy in the other two. I don't it just, know. Yeah. She just does, right? I don't know. I sort of have a bad like perception of the Ika scenes in this episode because when I was watching live, my like live TV cut out at both. Like I missed the beginning scene with them coming back from tribal and I missed parts of this scene. So they're like fuzzier in my mind, but but it still feels really dreary and really like scattershot. Like I was amazed to hear like discussing with friends like, oh, the, the part I missed, which felt like two minutes, like Drea wanted a girls alliance but Swati didn't want that. And yeah, it just all felt very rushed and scattered and not 
important. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I do have some asterisk there, so I don't want to completely sign on, but like, uh, to that idea, but yeah, well, I, I mean, I don't have any other thoughts, Andrea, do you? No, and I, I yeah, we gotta uh, sort of scoot through a bunch of this drive that. Yeah, <laughs> that brings us to Roxroy, right? Who, he's last. Yeah, Um. easily. And I, this is your winner pick, right? This is my winner pick. <laughs> Preseason. Um, which shows you how much, and I was very high on him too. Like, don't, I, I can't absolve myself here. I think I put him, I put him on my top three, so. I mean, that's uh, just, it's just an interesting case of, like, you can talk one way and in a controlled situation present yourself one way. Yeah. And then just the reality of living on an island hungry and tired and, and oh, yeah. surrounded by people you don't work like. Yeah, it gets to you, so. <laughs> yeah, his, he's, like, basically not in this episode except to like randomly be a jerk about the smoke like you know like Drew's like i told you i want to be in the smoke <laughs> like that's the only time he's in this episode mm-hmm. yeah not a good and th- they talked about voting him out yeah yeah like it's just it's not good i don't have a whole lot to say i mean he could leave next week or any time and i'm not surprised you know like he could also be a losing finalist like he's anything but the winner i just he has such a rocky path like forward in this like <laughs> Like, I don't know who wants to work with him, who would work with him, like, why they would keep him, like... Right. I, but theoretically, they are, right? Like, Swati says they want to vote out Drea, mm-hmm. and Tori says they want to vote out Drea, so that means it's not Roxroy. Why? We have no idea. That's actually very... Like, it's so weird because I'm higher on him not being the next boot, but still have him last. Oh, yeah. Like... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, any other thoughts? Nope. <laughs> Yeah, he's just last. He doesn't have a story other than he's obsessed with camp. Like, it's like, you know what it's like? They trans, um, they did a surgery and extracted Butch from Survivor Amazon onto this season or something, you know? like Or like Butch and Roger had a baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's like Butch and Roger mixed. Um, no, it's, it's wild. I think if anything else there is to say about these two episodes it's like wow the fastest work to like eliminate someone is like an ottn premiere and a utr one like second episode yeah it's like like wow. no that's the thing right is like sometimes with this um with this podcast it's like that is a question right like what's the worst edit you can get is it invisible is it over the top negative five and then borderline invisible that's i think that is the answer right like i don't know if there's a better one like maybe it's a well-needed cooldown. you know because i think of last season where danny had a really strong episode and then this and it like killed him for me this is like magnitudes worse (laughs) i guess that is a question right like is it is it worse to have the greatest episode of all time episode one into not being there or the worst episode one into not being there. I think it's very much this. Because I think the one thing... Yes, Roxroy was last for me last episode too. But he wasn't in the red. He was in the orange, which is like, eh. Um, but I think that idea was that, okay, he was not great here. But there's always a chance they, like, rationalize it in the next episode. Right. And it, that's what he needs. An immediate rationalization. And instead we got nothing. We got more of it. Right. A little bit. <laughs> Like, right, like, for- we saw... Don't forget that Roxroy is a jerk, essentially. <laughs> right, like, the only content he gets is, like, hey, just so you know, by the way. <laughs> 
He's, he hasn't gotten over this. Like, yeah. we've seen this archetype win. Mike Holloway's a dick in the world's apart finale, or premiere, right? Like, just the worst tyrant. Um, mm-hmm. But he somehow gets a confessional about, you know, what that means for his values in the game. Roxroy got that a little bit last week, but Mike's episode two is really good. Rock's voice is terrible. He has interesting stuff to bounce off in the blue collar tribe. Like Dan is there. Yeah. And I don't know, he, there's not the same like diversion of negativity to someone else here on on Right. If anything else, everyone got more positive. <laughs> and that tribe was all about work ethic, right? Like mm-hmm. so the stories matched better than yeah. I'm just, I care about the tribe and that's the camp and that's it. Yep. And nobody cares about it. You know, it, it's not like, Oh, like man, I, I really don't like rocks Roy, but he built the shelter and I value that so much. It's he built the shelter. He can go now. Like there's no appreciation at all. So rip rocks, Roy. Let's jump to Romeo. Joe, let me know if I'm crazy. I have Romeo extremely high. He's not quite in my top five, but I had him there for a moment, and he might be number six. He had a great episode. He's barely in it, but it's the best content you could possibly have for a quiet episode this week. He has basically a mea culpa on the skinny boys, which is not like, show it to Zach for maybe being the most referenced first boot ever. Or one of them, anyway. Like, he's all over this episode, but Romeo mentions him and why he did it. And I don't think that confession was needed, right? Like, in the season where we didn't get Drea coming back to the tribe about the ship wheel island. Mm-hmm. And stuff like they, they skipped a lot of important stuff. They chose to give him a Mia culpa on that last episode. That matters. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's... I don't know. I was still... I think to present it in the premiere and not sort of get him on the right path in that first premiere sort of still has me low. But I get it. I think this is a really good episode. Like, a good UTR one. Like, he got the content he needed to sort of make sense and be like, hey, this character is important. And I think still one of the most capable people on Ika, like in a good position. And mm-hmm. I don't know. It was it was a good episode. It just didn't do a ton for me personal in terms of my ranking. Yeah, it's it, it, like the issue is like Tori got a better one is is the elephant in the room there. Mm-hmm. Um, So, I mean, to me, I think Romeo could win. It would have to be not working with these people, uh, and and that's fine. I'm still a believer in complex tribe theory. I really am, and I was, I think, maybe one of the most vocal people to not eliminate all the Luvu people, despite being a complex tribe theorist. And this is also clearly not the complex tribe, but I think it's totally fine if you're on the bottom, or there's an excuse or, or something like that. I think it's very possible Romeo just doesn't click with these people, and his people are elsewhere. If that's the case, I think Romeo can win the game. Otherwise, yeah, he, he has nothing because he's not in this episode. He's the second least invisible. Um, so it's not great, but it was a good confessional. And I will remember that for the future episodes. That's why he's not on my chart. That's why he's like number six, seven, eight, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. But not above that or not below that. It's enough that he's, he's still in contention. I can see a world where he wins, where this is the story. I think he might be more fun than uh, we're seeing, which is a slight on his chances. Like, he seems like a funny dude, and uh, the fact that we haven't seen that I don't think is good for him, uh, but I think it's probably good for his, like, position chances. I feel like he's in, he's, I think Romeo goes deep, yeah. at the very least. 
Yeah, I think to talk about your theory that he doesn't get along with these people, I think that's unlikely because we didn't see that in the first episode. And I think we would have seen that based on what we thought preseason about Romeo. We would have seen some like, I don't really fit in with this tribe, but instead it felt like he was fitting in almost very well. So I think yeah. if he is winning, it is with some of these people. And I think they compliment him in a way where he's an easy person to vote for because you don't want to vote yeah. for the others. Um, but thinking about how like fun he is as a character, I think that could be sort of stifled here. And that makes sense because it's not like literally we've talked about how dreary it is. It's not the sort of climate of this tribe. And so I think to have Romeo sort of sticking out in this very fun way doesn't really work with the weather it's manufactured by the editor not the sort of tension and like awkwardness of this tribe so i think that could yeah and they're highlighting that Mm -hmm. we've seen so many scenes of these people just not quite clicking in a way that's almost detrimental to the tv product right like it just like weird conversations that don't work and maybe it's the editors misreading that right like we saw last week the swati and tori conversation i saw so many people on twitter not understand that they were joking and to me, that means it's intentional, right? Like, the editors clearly under- are, are trying. Like, they're competent. They get what they're doing. And when they show a scene that people don't understand, they're trying to make that seem awkward. We saw that a lot. Um, and I think the fact that, like, Romeo is literally a pageant director or coach or whatever, and Tori is a pageant girl, and that hasn't come up, is very bad for Romeo. Yeah, I think I'm being swayed to your vision of this tribe is kind of, like, all last place. Because they just... Yeah! The the show is doing nothing to sort of help make them look good. It's showing instead two very, like, one tribe that is, like, the epitome of competence, the other that is the epitome of, like, family and faith and good vibes. <laughs> and, and, like, yeah. and you've got this, which is just this awkward mess. So, yeah, I think, yeah, we have one contender still to talk about, and I think I'm not going to put them on my list. So I don't know what that means, but yeah, no, I, I'm honestly talking through it. I'm probably lowering all of these people because, um, yeah, it's just they have nothing right. Like it's just if anything, they're presented as awkward or they don't click or some other negative quality that just is not good. Like and you're right. Like maybe this tri- maybe this beach just sucks. Well, all the shots look terrible, right? Mm-hmm. Like I just we haven't even seen them build it. Like we saw them building a shelter. We haven't really seen their finished shelter. Like there's just some weird things like that. Like they don't care about this tribe. Yeah. It's like step aside complex tribe theory. Hello. Awkward tribe theory. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, let's jump here to Swati. So the interesting thing with what I just said is that I do think the next two people we talk about could win the game. Um, and so Swati Gets a pretty good episode here amidst all that. If anybody looks good out of this tribe unconditionally, it's Swati, right? Yeah, she seems to have, like, reason and, like, is in an okay spot. Um, yeah. Yeah, and she's she's there. She's present in a way in both. And um, she has agency and purpose. We know her view on the game and life. We know her values, her goals, why she's there. Like, we know a lot about this person in simple, succinct ways. Um, And I think that's good if you're on this garbage tribe. Um, Because they don't want to go too deep into your relationships if they don't matter that much. Um, I don't see a world where she leaves. 
on this tribe. Mm-hmm. She'd be my lock for the merge. Like, even if this tribe goes to two, she's one of them. Yeah, I think talking about, you talked about Lydia as the person who emerges at the merge. I think that's Swati. I think Swati has yeah. a bigger role there. And I think, yeah, lock for the merge. She was my fourth contender. It just, it doesn't feel quite right. Like, it's this really good under-the-radar content on this really weird, awkward tribe where it doesn't really feel like she's actually bonding with these people. And, yeah, I don't know if I'll keep her fourth at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, sometimes just talking about it, right, like, it makes you re- see things i don't have her that high i think i have her in my where do i have her i have her like again in that same range like right below uh my contenders list like right below the chart basically um where i think she totally could win it's not a great tribe but it's good content um and it's it's a good under the radar edit in a way that i think sometimes people cling too hard on these people who speak once an episode or something but when Swati speaks, it's with purpose, and you remember her, and she's presented strong. Maybe it, and I, it feels a little Jacqueline, San Juan del Sur. Like, yeah, someone who's that's there, a good point. Who might not be in the best... Well, she is in a good spot, but, like, the tribe isn't the most, like... It's not a tribe that's important to the long-term game, so... Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good comparison. I think Swati makes the DVD cover. Yeah. I can see that. Although, <laughs> DVDs still exist. Did, well, they still exist, but I believe... I don't know if it was fake or not, but I swear I saw one that was season 41, and it just had Jeff on it, like, holding a torch. Oh, no! I did see that! <laughs> a torch. So... You're right. So nobody makes the DVD cover, but maybe with our DVD cover, I think Swatty's on it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good... Or good she's not my number one lock for that but she's up there yeah yeah i really like her a lot and i know the viewers at home didn't get to see our preseason round table because <laughs> of audio issues but i was so high on her coming in and i think i was pretty right i am enamored with her i love her content that she brings uh and i i want more characters like this on the show mm-hmm. and that brings us here to and that brings us to Tori, who had a really good episode, right? I mean, she okay, gets, I mean, I guess it depends how you define a good episode. She was really fun this episode um, and got to, I think everybody had that moment where you're like, oh my God, is she crying about leaving, like losing Zach? And then it's like, oh no, she's crying about not being able to sleep at home. It's probably not great for her mm. winter chances, but I think it's really good for her long-term character chances. Yeah, this episode sort of really salvaged her. And I think what we talked about in the premiere where um, pre-existing knowledge of her might influence how we saw her, this episode helped really combat that too and show that whatever negativity there actually was in the premiere sort of went away for the most part here. I know that first scene isn't great, but... Um, but I think she said something really poignantly, which going back to our theme, she talks about how once Swati sort of says Drea, she says, oh, I found it. I found the path forward, which I think is really interesting mm-hmm. aligning with um, what Daniel said about the past always diverting. Maybe I'm making that too big of a thing, but I, I don't know. I think that's interesting and a good a good sign for her chances, her longevity especially, but her chances otherwise. Yeah. And, like, I could see her win. Like, I really mm. could. Um, I'd be a little surprised because they, they've definitely, like, the only issue for her is she does give Angelina vibes, right? Like, big time. Yeah. Um, in terms of you could easily see a jury not vote for her. Um, it seems clear she's making the DVD cover, I think, 
for sure. Eh, I don't know. Ika, I'm more skeptical that it could play out where Tori still goes. Um, you think yeah, so? I don't know. I think I think if there's two, it's Swati and Tori. I think they make that, it. Like That does sound feasible. Like, those two sort of coming out of here. But I also think Romeo, so I don't know. I could, I realist, honestly, like, gun to my head, I think it's Romeo, Swati, and Tori mm-hmm. are the three leaving this tribe. Like, making it from this tribe. <laughs> I think, I think Dre and Roxroy are gonna leave pre-merge, swap, mm-hmm. whatever machinations this has. Um, I don't know if I see her as a winner, but I think she's one of the most important characters of the season. She gets a lot of content this week. It's all pretty good. Uh, and all future looking. Yeah, she's, like, the perspective of this tribe like i think you could say that Drea is the main character maybe at this point but like tori might be that and if not she's sort of like the player avatar almost where like this is the person with agency what would you do etc yeah in a lot of ways what i'm saying about like lacking that narrator if there is one of this season it's tori um right like that you can sort of rely on like she's always even known when she's on the bottom or or whatever like whenever she's made a mistake she's known it and owned it um yeah i don't know I, i'm pretty high on her she's not on my contenders list but if she's on a different tribe she might be um it's just this is not this is a very like this tribe sucks the win equity of uh, all these people for me mm-hmm. yeah she was my fifth that wasn't on the chart okay Gotcha. Um, Yeah, like, it's totally possible, right? Like, this could totally be the story, how Tori wins. The issue is, like, I think we know going in, and we've seen enough hints. A lot of those awkward moments we mentioned do involve Tori. Yeah, that's true. So, to me, she's probably my number one pick for a losing finalist. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know, I'm just more skeptical on her actually making it far than you are. Huh. Yeah, I, I think I think she's gonna go pretty far. I just think they've devoted so much time into her, and something like even a Nick or something like that who has a mixed episode, episode one, and then has this huge positive episode two. It was that that showed an arc in some capacity. Tori kind of has that. Um, obviously not the same scope as like Nick had like quite a powerful story there, but Tori's getting a similar treatment. And I do think it's so hard to disconnect. Like so much of this fan base has a lot of negative view of her. And I think we're seeing people like really underrate her for that reason. And I do not blame them at all. Um, but I think people are just kind of taking it as a given that she's not a contender, you know, Mm -hmm. um, I think she's definitely more of one than uh, people are letting themselves think. And I really don't blame them for that. Uh, Yeah, I just, I don't know. I I could see a world where she wins more than a lot of these people. But, like, I think I have her at ninth or something. (laughs) So, not that high. I don't know. Yeah, like I said. I don't hate your fifth place. And like I said, I think they're they're maybe dropping past other people. I think both Swati and Tori are falling off my contender list, though, for this episode at least. Yeah. Just not very high on Ika after our discussion here. Yeah, Ika's just bad. Like, honestly, they have good stories, like, between Swati, Romeo, and Tori. I think they all have, they all have a story. It's just, it's, together it doesn't work, and that's not Mm. good. Um, so that brings us to Taku. And this is the tribe I'm the highest on, Joe. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I think anyone left 
on this tribe could win. I actually have them... One of them is less likely, I have them but... incredibly spread out, I think. Like, spoilers, one of them is the number one. But one of them is also just, <gasps> like, right above Roxroy. So... Dang! I'm inter- I'm I'm excited to get into it. Let's do it. Uh, so let's start with Jonathan, who... I don't know. I feel almost stupid that I didn't put him on my list last week. I thought about it. I debated it. But I was like, you know what? There's too much about him not being good. At the time, I flagged, wait a minute. Him presenting the fact that he's not good at puzzles could mean something. And it did. And I kind of wish I saw it earlier. I think Jonathan is definitely making the DVD cover of the season. And I think he's a damn good winner threat he is my number three candidate and i really considered him as his number one i went back and forth between two people quite a bit i settled with him as number three um and i don't even know if i'm sold on that he might be my number one this was such an amazing episode for him hmm. <laughs> okay he's not right about rocks I'll i'll say that um i was really low on his premiere though i the like big idea i got from that premiere was like an interesting character like at that point i would have betted heavily on like dvd cover jonathan but not the pieces of a winner in that premiere and yes this episode was good it did a lot it moved him to sixth which probably is higher now because that's under swati and tori but i still don't know if i could have him as a legitimate contender i don't feel like that premiere did the work it needed to and I think he's very I, clearly the second to the actual winner contender here. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, the thing with Jonathan is it's hard to talk about Jonathan without Amar, right? Mm. So, um, it's, it's difficult, right? Because they're clearly the JT and Steven. And in a lot of ways, it looks like Steven's winning, right? Like, that's who it looks mm. like is winning. It looks like Amar's going to be the winner. Token Chains look like that, too. Mm. And that's, I think, where uh, it's important to factor in Jonathan, too. I think that inherently in this edgic community, you're gonna have people gravitating to the nerds more, right? Like, we want to believe that, you know, uh, the smarter one's gonna win. But we've seen this story before, and we have Nick and Christian comparing themselves to Steven and JT. Who wins? It's Nick. It's not Steven. Who wins the Steven JT? It's JT. It's not Steven. We've seen this multiple times, this exact relationship, and even maybe directly comparing it with Christian and, and, uh, and Nick. And both times, the Southern athletic boy beat the nerd, and that's important to remember. Hmm. I don't know. I'm just skeptical. <laughs> I was... When I'm looking at the unspoiled edgic... Uh, for Token Sheens, and they have Steven number one every episode, or at least above JT from episode two onward. Mm -hmm. Well, yes, I, I believe that you're right in your evaluation of like how people see this my question was like how was jt in that token jeans premiere and like i was he's not in it much he's not in it much all he does is he that's the episode where he spits out the tooth no, I he believe. does that several um, episodes in. is yeah. that later yeah he's not in it much i actually do remember that he is pretty quiet in token jeans premiere yeah i'm curious to see what that's like um because yeah the 
Because that episode is actually so focused on the other tribe. Because that's, like, the one where you get, like, the... I believe that's the episode, right, where you get the fake vote out, and then uh, they're talking about paces and all that sort of thing, yeah. right? Like, that's that That's that mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. Like, that one has so much stuff in that premiere that it doesn't really matter. But I remember JT is not in it much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just because... The premiere for Jonathan was, like, not really main character-y, but, like, present in the background as this obvious, like, physical force for his tribe, like, basically winning both challenges for them. But it wasn't explicit. And so I think that's what made me think it wasn't a good premiere. But if you put it sort of in the context of a JT Steven relationship, it actually may match up very closely. I just don't know if we're we're repeating that story. I don't want to be repeating that story. Right, and like I mean, I I'm with you there. Like we've seen it before. Like I don't I don't want this to be right. I did really like him though. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. Like it's such a weird thing where I'm like, oh, this is cliche, but also I like it. <laughs> <laughs> like sometimes good stories just work. And I talked to some of my friends who aren't as Survivor diehards as we are, and they were enamored by Jonathan. Like they were. Like, a level of love that I haven't seen in years. Like, they... People eat this shit up, Joe. They love the buff guy befriending the nerd. It's just it's just how it works. It's And it reflects better on the buff guy than it does on the nerd every time. And that, to me, means something. I fear... I honestly, right now, fear I am falling in the same trap as everybody on this edric thread for token genes or... Uh, the people who had Christian above Nick and David vs. Goliath. I just, I feel like it's, the cool guy wins every time. You know, like, um, even in uh, Pretty in Pink, you know, it's John Hughes. Uh, it's uh, James Spader who who goes to prom with uh, uh, the girl in, in Pretty in Pink, not Ducky. You know, it's, the story's all about Ducky and James Spader comes in at prom and he's the one who takes her to prom. He's the cool guy. Ducky goes bikes outside of her house. Um, Survivor is not any different. And I feel like every single time the nerd loses in this relationship. So, I don't know. I'm very high on Jonathan. And this was a great episode two for him. Uh, and he was also presented as the better player. Like, he's got, he's the one who's picking who goes. Omar's just having his personal journey. Mm-hmm. You're very right. <laughs> I know, I think it's enough to get Jonathan as a contender. The other thing I'm thinking about is the Jonathan Omar bonding scene. There is this, what was my even description of it? The music is like jungly, like love music. It is. Yeah, it was good. But I think coming out of this episode, I want to be like, oh, there are two sort of complex pairs. It's either you've got Jonathan and Omar or Chanel and Daniel. But, like, Chanel and Daniel don't really compete with Jonathan and Omar. They don't. So, I don't know. I think my temptation is to lift Jonathan to second. But I'm still going to hold on to the Omar. Like... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, spoilers, but... I get that for sure. I also have... Yeah, I also have it that same Mm -hmm. layout. I have Daniel kind of awkwardly in the middle of them. Um, but whatever. Um, yeah, like, it's just, it's so good, and we haven't seen, and, like, the other thing with Jonathan is, like, this, this season has nobody who can compete with him in these challenges. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I could see a world where he wins the entire merge. And then they kind of um, dress up his win as saying he's a well-rounded player as well. Like, he's got a social game too. You know what I mean? Like, I could see that happen. That that makes sense as a path, Like right? Like, they need to figure out a way. Like, similar to Fabio, it's like, the story isn't he's the best player. It's like, he's not as stupid as you think he is. Like, Jonathan could totally win in the story be... He's more strategic than you'd expect from the giant jungle man. Yeah. Hmm. Right? Like, that kind of makes sense. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm very high on him. And if anything, this makes his premiere look a little better. Yeah. Like, we have... If you think about his premiere, he talks about breaking the... Like, obviously, he talks about, like, having the world record for pull-ups or, or, or whatever. Um, but then at that triangle thing, he's like, you know what? I'm going to step back. You know, it's, it's not about being what you're good at it's about delegating to what you're not right he, he talks about that idea explicitly with the triangles and it does look a little stupid he says the 11 but it showcases what he's not good at and that he's actually going to value people who are good at what he's not good at and that shows humility in a way that you might not necessarily attribute like ozzy treats cochran like a second-rate citizen Right and and uh, and Ozzy's probably the closest comparison to a Jonathan, but Jonathan's just a nice guy, as far as mm-hmm. we can tell. You know, he's he's just nice. He's a heroic character. There's no spin on that. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I I I've really been wrestling with putting him number one. Um, the only thing is like, how do they not vote him out like at the merge or whatever? Like, I just don't know how you could sincerely look at him. He towers over this whole cast. If you look at the cast photo, he's like a foot taller than everybody else and like significantly more jacked. This is one of the least physically skilled tri- uh, casts I've ever mm-hmm. seen. And he it might be the most jacked contestant ever. Um, so I don't know what that means. Is that just he wins by default or what? I don't know. It feels too, too easy. (laughs) And he's not like, yeah, no, but he, he's not like aligning just right with this, like well-rounded person thing. Like, I think Omar fits that better where he adapts to the qualities more than Jonathan, like is clearly the pinnacle of one and can realize them. Like Omar still makes more stuff. But I mean, okay. So is this society, is this our bias, right? Because we like, and I think there's a bias to assume big buff dude is only good at the physical stuff, right? So that's a factor. But like, Omar's just as bad at the physical stuff as Jonathan is at the puzzle stuff. Is there a bias that we're perceiving of, oh, well, he's not good at the smart stuff, and that's worse than Omar not being good at the physical stuff? Is that our bias coming into it? I don't think so, because like, I don't know. I feel like I'm. We've been shown. That Jonathan is not good at puzzles. We haven't been shown that Omar is bad at challenge, like physical challenges. No, we've seen um, that he's terrible at camp life. Yeah. And there's been a lot of scenes that are like, like, and I don't want this, to, like, you know, we, we, uh, you know, he doesn't pee standing up and, and that sort of thing, right? Like, there's all that stuff too, like, that it's like endearing, but I think sometimes we're too quick to be like endearing, but not factoring in like, well, that's, that's a missing element of the stuff that Jonathan's good at, you know, like those are actually, I think they're actually presented as 50, 50. It's just, I think that us nerds on the internet factor Omar's skill set more than we factor in Jonathan's skill set. Hmm, okay. Yeah. 
I see it more. And I think that might be why every single time the nerds on the internet pick the Stevens instead of the JTs. I know, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm rebelling against this, but now I'm like, well, why don't I just pick Chanel? Because she's the one who truly appears to be well-rounded. <laughs> no, you're right. No, I, I'm with you there. But uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I have Omar number one. You know, I feel like it sounds like I don't. But spoiler alert, let's talk about Lindsay. Um, she's on this tribe, and that gives her winner equity to me. <laughs> um, beyond that, not much. She gets, like, I would say, decent or good content, but not memorable content um in this episode i did like the scene where jonathan is like picking grubs out of her hair like a monkey that was very funny um and yeah it's clear her and jonathan are just like lockstep if jonathan's winning she's coming third yeah here's the thing if we just have this in like wild discussion about omar versus jonathan like Lindsay is my 14th because like she's just like this third part of it that is clearly not the focus like she's not shown as like a happy medium between the two she's not like well-rounded in her own right she's just kind of there um very nondescript um it literally has a moment where jonathan's like oh by the way me and Lindsay are a final two anyways back to my relationship with amar so yeah i'm very low on Lindsay's chances it's just non- and a season that's very good about being like, this is the person I am. I do not know who the person who Lindsay is really. <laughs> no, you're right. And I think you could easily have mixed her content up with Mariah's. There's actually one confessional where she's talking about Marianne that I, uh, so when I was watching live, uh, I had friends around, so I wasn't able to watch as closely as I would have liked. So on a rewatch, I checked. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Mentally, that was a Mariah confessional to me when she was like, Marianne can be a lot, you know, like that confessional Mm -hmm. from Lindsay. I actually thought with Mariah. And so I I wouldn't be surprised if like a decent percent of the audience also thought that. Yeah, for sure. I was watching and I feel like those two confessionals sort of blended together because they have very similar voices and they were the same content. So, so yeah. Yeah. She's not distinct. Yeah, she's not at all. Her win path would be that she continues to be connected to Jonathan and Jonathan isn't the long-term player that we think he is, right? Like, that would be the path. Um, So I don't have her eliminated, but... She needs to be, like, a double torchbearer to both Omer and Jonathan. That's the (laughs) issue, right? Like, there were other people on Steven and JT's tribe. Um, Was Aaron on their tribe? she was on the other tribe. On the other tribe, right, yeah. Like, that's the thing is, like, there's nobody on that tribe that's, like, a relevant long-term contender, right? And uh, that hurts Lindsay. (laughs) Like, you can't be number three. You can have a debate between one and two. But, like, number three, just, there's not enough room yeah. there. So, that's Lindsay. Uh, let's jump to Marianne. Here's Marianne. And I'm, here's Marianne. Uh, I'm interested in your thoughts, Joe. She is, well, Ika, of volatility aside, she was smack dab in the middle. She's the last person I didn't have an orange. Because, like, what do you do with a girl like Marianne? Like, I... Yeah. She, I think anywhere she places, she's having this similar edit. Like, she could yeah. win, and I think they'd still do this, like, fun all over the place, like, edit. And, I mean, they showed her, like, looking for idols. Like, they wanted to show her having, like, she's trying. Like, she, there was nothing she could do. If the vote had gone the other way, she would have been just as toast. But, yeah, they showed her trying. So, I think 
now that she's escaped what we thought would be her boot episode, she's just sort of there for the ride. If she got really, like, negative or something, I might, like, lower her. But I think she'll always hang out as sort of the, like, lowest of, like, I guess she could win. I guess yeah. the more she doesn't have a really, like coherent story the lower i'm going to but yeah it's more of a gradual slide than other people yeah i'm with you 100 percent, joe and i'm because i was very low on her last week right like i i mean we both thought for sure she was gone mm. and the fact that she's not i don't think she's gone next week no and then i agree with everything else you said i think if she's not the winner, you're right. Actually, I'm going to reframe that. If she is the winner, she looks exactly like this. And you're right. I don't think she looks that different if she wins or not. Like, and I'm not getting enough to disqualify her. We get doubt on her, like with Lindsay and Mar Mariah being like, she's annoying. And you could tell that Mariah could not stand being in the same area as Marianne. But those aren't the credible sources, you know, like if Jonathan or Amar had said, I don't like Marianne, she'd be last for me, but they picked the weak people to say that, right? Like the weak people on this tribe are unfortunately Mariah and Lindsay here. Um, and Marianne is, as far as we can tell, liked by Amar and Jonathan. So that matters. And I think that means she's going deep probably, or at least I think beyond this tribe at the very least. Um, and if she makes the merge, I think she's safe for a while. And I agree with what you're saying in terms of no matter where she places, she probably looks pretty similar. And so we're going to be looking on the, uh, you know, periphery to get analysis, you yeah. know, like, like what are the rounding errors that change between winner or not winner, uh, or even winner and losing finalist or losing finalist in pre-merger? Like what are the differences there? Cause they're going to be subtle here, whereas they're going to be massively different with other people. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that, for context is she's just this very singular person. I don't think you could present her as like just competent strategist person, you know, like she's just, she's, she's got a big, big, big personality, uh, as a singular personality. And with that kind of person, you can't just like rein it in. Like people talk a lot about the edit and how you can manipulate anything to be anything. I think that as an editor, that is a little bit of a misnomer. Like, um, the footage is the footage. The editor can bring it to life. The editor cannot reinvent who this person mm -hmm. is and marianne especially you cannot reinvent yeah i think especially when so far the storylines have been like good tv moments like whether i don't know how legitimate they are but like like that moment about zach is like fun and good and you don't see it on other seasons so of course you include it here um yeah it's stuff like that that i think we're just always going to see like yeah you could you could invisible Marianne, but like, why would you? Like, then you're just like taking yeah. your own show that you're working on and getting paid from. <laughs> so, yeah, I think an interesting character word. Yeah, I've come to the conclusion it's just like, I don't know, but it's not going to be any different than this. Yeah, I'm with you there. And just because some other people I'm lower on, she ends up being pretty high for me, but like not not mm. top five. Shoo. Uh, but, like, I really could see her winning. Like, to me, she's in yellow. Like, she's she's in the same tier as Chanel, Mike, etc. You know, like, she's right below them, I think. So I have her four, fifth, sixth. I have her sixth. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, yeah, that's Marianne. Mm -hmm. Here's Marianne, and there's Marianne. Um, 
That brings us to Amar, who I believe is both of our number ones. Yeah, yeah it took us long enough, but... And I think it's Omer, like... I always thought it was like Omar, but like it's like yeah, it's a, yeah, it's Omer. Omer. Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna try to be more intentional with making sure I say that it's Omar, Omar. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, Omer. Um, and he is so far ahead, number one, that I'm almost suspicious. Like, but like I've learned to not do that. Like I've learned to not double think. You know, Tommy won. You know, Tony won. Like it happens, and he's presented so strong. He has so much sto- like almost all of our stories directly come from or are related to Omar. Mm-hmm. It's just it's such a strong edit. Like, and I said everybody else is even. You know, like oh, this is such an even season, and 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 everybody's on an even playing field. And to me, it's with the asterisk of except Omar. I know. I think his content. It feels about the same level, but it just really resonates. And you're right, it connects to every story that is being mm. prioritized here. So I think it's it's not, like, visibility-wise over and above. It might be just, like, actual content yeah. is so much stronger focus. Well, I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Because, like, raw visibility numbers-wise, like, what, he's a three and a four? It's not like he's overbearing. But segment-wise, he's extremely high. Sure, yeah. So this is this is going to get a little bit nerdy here. But so when you're calculating visibility, what you do is what? You take confessional count uh, and amount of sentences and kind of divide that by the cast. And so you end up with sort of an average of how much they spoke. Mm-hmm. The issue there for me is that Omar, for example, in this episode, there's multiple segments where other people are speaking, but it's all about Omar, and the entire segment is about Omar. This one, for example, you have segment one is Omar is a Muslim and the journey of that. You have Marianne making the the, uh, palm frond mat thing his journey, what that means for the game, and then all the religion talk is actually about uh, Omer, right? Like, it's all about him, and even though they have their own journey and stuff, like, we hear, we hear that Jonathan's, you know, a devout Christian. It's about Omer, right? It's the reason that conversation happened is Omer. So even though other people speak and give their personal perspective and everything like that, it's about him. Then you jump up a little bit later, and it's him sort of talking about, like, it's still set up with uh, why he wants to vote out, like why he wants to vote. And then he, then even the duo thing, right? So, and then you have Omer and Jonathan are this JT and Steven alliance. They're a duo, they're a power duo. The segment's about Omer, right? It's Jonathan gets, like, it's all Jonathan talking about how much he likes Omer. He's way funnier than me. And, like, all the positive traits are described about Omer. Omer doesn't say anything positive about Jonathan. He just says he's my meat shield. Mm-hmm. And we take from that athletic, skilled, social, you know, whatever, cool. We take, we assume those qualities. They are not said. But Jonathan says he's funnier than me. He's good at puzzles. He's got spunk. Like, Jonathan lists positive qualities about Omer, and all Omer says is that he's my dumb meat shield, basically. Mm-hmm. Hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and I was thinking about how you said earlier, like it was a very confessional heavy episode and there wasn't a lot of like back and forth conversations. Like, I don't know, like what we're doing, like you would really be racking up the confessionals because you're talking and then I'm talking and then so on. Uh, Or not confessionals, the sentences. Um, But when it's the sort of someone says something and then it goes to confessionals, like in the math of it all it doesn't track the same way so yeah maybe there is something where like he is just a three and a four but the sort of i mean and that's what it's hard to calculate that it like it's intangible like where's the focus and um yeah who, like and i always think about when we start a new season being like okay this time i'm going to list out what each segment is about and what it covers and i I never do it because it's so hard to pinpoint. And it's like, what am I catching here? And what am I like wasting my time on? Like, I'm like, oh, this is actually like, yeah. it's from the premiere. It's like, oh, Mariah was like, I really failed my drive and I need to succeed in the future. Like that was a waste of like, not, it's not a waste to show it. Cause I think it made for interesting, but like, we didn't need to focus on it as we know. And so, well, I, I disagree there because the story was, well, she didn't, but and sometimes that's the story. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, I suppose so. I don't know. So that's why I guess I don't do it, but like, but yeah, it makes it tricky to, we give the this number one through five and then think the world of it. But I mean, that's mm-hmm. why we always say like the, your edgic bar is not the end all be all like, right. And so what, we have Omer as a four this week. I am, like, if you were to say, so, okay, so you have Omer and you have Jonathan. I think both have these big explosive weeks, right? Mm -hmm. Jonathan, if you do the math, he's a five. But who's more important this week? Who did we learn more about? It's Omer, right? We learn he's a Muslim. We learn the challenges. We learn how that relates to the other people. We learn... That he and Jonathan are a bromance and they're best friends and they're best of pals. And then we also view he gets the last confessional. He's the one who's deciding who goes home. He's presented as the swing vote. He gets all three pillars. You literally get an interpersonal who I am, where I am in this game with Jonathan. And who's going home. Omer's picking. It is a full on three dimensional portrayal this week. He's a complete character, uh, and to me, it's he's so far number one. Well, here's the th- I know early to yeah, loop go. back because you have now convinced me so much on Jonathan. I think the other really strong thing about Stephen is that he was a very conventional contender, where JT did have this sort of subtleness and lower visibility to start, and so I'm like. Do we go for the one that we know is conventional? Or do we look at the past and say, this sort of thing has happened before. Is it actually some other way now? Yeah. No, you're right. Like, it really is like this weird thing where it's like, who owns Survivor? Is it the Jungle Boy or the Nerd? And I mean, honestly, sorry, Daniel, you're getting bumped to three. Um, To me, number one is Omer, and number two is Jonathan, and I think that will be remain to be a debate moving forward. Uh, Who who owns the game now? I'll go. I'll swing back a little. I think the one thing they are doing with Omer that is keeping him at number one right now is that I feel like with Steven, they showed this sort of nerdiness and fanboyness um yes when we know they could do so many things with omar from his preseason stuff yes they're not 
And I think that that sort of reserve is what makes me think he's probably, like, he probably does eke it out this time. I think when it veers that way is when I could start really favoring Jonathan ahead of that, so. I agree, and honestly, Joe, my biggest criticism of Omer's edit is his first confessional is basically line-for-line Erica's. And I'd be stunned if they do that. Like, if so, I, I, I really think they fucked up. Like... If Omer's the winner, I think that, and I have a lot of respect, and we, I think we're generally, as an editing podcast, extremely positive on the Survivor editors. I'm sorry, if last season's winner is I was a lamb and then a lion, and you use repeat confessionals, and then this season's story is I'm a pigeon and now I'm an owl, you fucked up. <laughs> See, I think that's really clever. I think maybe you, like ham up that Erica really brought this in and then also that it happened to happen with Omer and like they were back to back seasons and they both won I think that's really cool and neat and I think you did a really good job oh I hate it like that's so it's so on the nose and like I I would really not like (laughs) that like but I, I could see it happening is the issue and I could see why you think it's clever and why they would think it's clever, think you know? It could do nasty things to the edgic community going forward, like we think anyone. Oh right, it's like, and like especially when it's Tony talks about wines and hyenas mm. all the freaking time with repeat confessionals. Then Erica, then this unforgivable, <laughs> right? Like then it's just who talks about animals? That's edgic, you know? Like that's it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I hope not. I just. And honestly, like, I think it would be, like, we haven't had a Jonathan win this, like, as much as there's been 40 seasons, is there a Jonathan-like winner? Like, Mike Holloway-ish? Oh, yeah, probably Mike, yeah. But I don't even know if I agree, like, Mike is, I mean, he's athletic, he's good at challenges, but I feel like Jonathan is defined by, like, I would almost compare Jonathan more to a... Michelle or something. It's this caring about other people is his defining quality in this season. Like, yeah, he's clearly like a freak of nature, you know? Like, he's super athletic. But his story is about being compassionate and seeing the strengths in other people specifically. With Mike, Mike's story is actually, I think, like, okay, this is a slight tangent here, hot take kind of thing. Mike's story is fucking awesome and worlds apart. And they, we get we bring Mike up a lot on this show, I think because his story is so powerful. Uh, but what it's about is from the beginning, he's bossy around camp and he eats the scorpion. He pukes it up, but it's about America. But more specifically, it's about standing up for what he believes in, even if it's inconvenient. And then obviously in the worlds apart merge, we see him flip from the majority to the minority because he thinks that's what's right. And then he beasts out the immunity challenges and he wins because from the start, he eats the scorpion, even though he does a stupid thing to do. And he vomits up something good. You know, he vomits up something that is standing up for what you believe in, even if it makes you sick, even if it, even if it's requiring being bold, whatever. It's doing what needs to be done, even if it's hard, even if it's scary. It's all about boldness in that season and doing what's mm-hmm. right. Um... Jonathan, like, I, I don't think Jonathan has that. I don't think Jonathan comes off as particularly bold or, or, or outspoken or anything yeah. like that. He's just another athletic guy. And I think sometimes we 
we'll just view two athletic guys as the same. Uh, when, you know, there's really not that much alike between them. Hmm. I don't know, then. It's... I know, I think that's the... I know, I... Yeah, that's the interesting thing, is I think Survivor does a lot of work to make people, especially athletic men, more than just their athleticism when they win. Like, there are people who have been good at challenges, but they didn't get to the end because they were good at challenges, really. Like... Yeah. Um, Brad Culpepper is a good comparison in Game Changers, I think. Yeah. Or, like, I don't know, Tommy's pretty good at challenges, but that was not his, like, focus at all. Yeah. And so... No, you're right. Like, if anything, Jonathan looks like Tommy. Mm-hmm. Kinda. So, it's just... I think Tommy looked very athletic, but, like, Jonathan's, like, Tommy times two. And that... <laughs> it's, like... Like, how do you, in a social game, let the, like, seven-foot monster win? But it's possible. Um, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, Omer, I mean, just an amazing character, too. Like, I think he's actually pretty good on the show. I do wish someone else got a little bit of his content, because I don't think he's good enough to sustain 12 episodes like that, but yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah, but that brings us to Mariah. I think it's probably a net positive that she left, but it was sad, nonetheless. Yeah, I was I was wrong. I had her, like, sixth cusp of, because I really thought there was something there. It was just her, her story, her two-episode story. A very, yeah, very brief. I don't know if she was going to add much had she stayed longer. Especially, like, when your alternative is Marianne. Like, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It was kind of weird how they, my suspicion once they brought up what she was planning to do, like, burying that necklace, and then it was this very obvious boot between Marianne and Mariah was they were going to do this very extremely touching thing, where, like, they would tell her and then let her essentially bury that necklace. I thought that's where we were going. But then it didn't. So I think that's what made the sort of very dry post-immunity challenge stuff feel even drier, was that it wasn't this very cute gesture that it could have been that I dreamed up in my mind. And how dare that not be the case? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm with I'm I'm with you there. And, like, I don't think the criticism is, like, why do you not do my brain cannon? I think the criticism is, uh, like... Why? Why did you let it get so close to my brain, Kiana? Yeah, because I think everybody had that thought. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I think that is a thing that we all thought of. And, like, that's not a good thing for this. You know? It's, um... Mm. You want this to be... You don't want the audience to be like, Wait a minute. What Did, what, did she bury it yeah, or not? Like, and we don't have an... An- it's weirdly sad and left-hanging. Like... Because it's really what it looks like happened is she told them, all I'm here for is to bury this thing before I leave, and then they blindsided her. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think they didn't want to show this tribe that negative, and that's why they kind of give this half thing where they wanted to give Mariah her story. But then they don't reference the fact that they just ruthlessly blindsided this person that said that, you know? Like, her story was so inspiring, and they dickbagged her hard, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but I think that probably is very good for the rest of this tribe's chances is that they weren't willing to show them that Mm -hmm. way. They just kind of, they literally dance around it, you know? It's just like, these are two facts that exist simultaneously. Mm -hmm. 
So I don't know. I hope she was able to find like a appropriate and and, and powerful, you know, uh, burial spot. Um, I could tell she loathed Marianne, <laughs> like absolutely despised her. Um, so that was kind of fun. I think we only started to see, see Mariah's character near the end of this episode. Yeah. Uh, but I'm glad she was on the season nonetheless. Yeah. I, yeah. I think a very interesting sort of second episode boot where it's like, it's kind of yeah. irrelevant. And like that used to happen. And yeah, not everyone <laughs> gets a very like grandiose story. But in a way, hers was like kind of very grandiose and very relevant. And I know it's this. It's very complicated for a, a second boot. Yeah, I agree. I, I totally agree there. It seems like she just didn't quite click yeah. with them. Like it seems like it was just like everybody else is more social. So, um, yeah, that brings us to the prediction side. Uh, so, Joe, who is leaving next? Hmm. This is incredibly difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say Roxroy. I was gonna say Roxroy too. I feel like this is the tr- this is the one where they leave. But I'm gonna say Drea to be unique. I think that tribe's gonna lose. Yeah, it's just very much. I think they do the big move. I would bet a significant portion that Ika is losing. It's just that then it's so hard to imagine either of them going. Yeah, I so, agree. Yeah. Yeah, like m- maybe it is something else. I just. I don't think it's going to be Taku. I feel like that tribe doesn't lose again. I mean, I could see Taku losing Marianne. Like, yeah, maybe. It's maybe. just another. And then if it's Vadi, it's the it's the old Jenny Lydia debate. Just, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, if your boot order was, like, Mariah and then Marianne on Taku, where you have this very, like, clearly defined alliance, like, what do you do with your episodes worth of time there? And how do you make yeah. any ways to sense? or do you or what are you doing so i'm curious like if that happens we'll have to see how it works out i mean i think the answer might be you just don't include that jonathan confessional saying he's super tight to Lindsay. Hmm. yeah that's true right like you leave that as a mystery or, or something right like maybe just have him talk about marianne or, or something yeah. But uh, I also want to shout out that uh, the when they're writing out the votes, they showed out Mariah. Mm-hmm. They showed everybody writing Mariah because Marianne or Mariah both fit. Is that mm-hmm. I love that. That made me laugh a lot. Like I was dying. <laughs> Uh, or maybe it was just Mary, but either way, you know, they showed a, a ridiculous portion yeah. of their name, uh, which is I. I was just I was dead. Um, and then so winner. So, um, I think there's some turbulence here, uh, at number four, so this is my chart, I have Chanel, at number three, I have Daniel, at number two, I have Jonathan, and at number one, I have Omer. I think, weirdly, we have almost matched, which is, I just think, very strange for episode two. But I would go... No- yeah, that's, like, never happened. Yeah, number one, Omer. Number two, Jonathan. And then I just switched those three and four rounds. So number three, Chanel. Number four, Daniel. <laughs> yeah. And, like, maybe that's, like... So we just talked about how open this field is. Maybe it's less open than we're talking about. You know what I mean? Like, maybe we're not... Maybe we're just not dropping that band hammer uh, fast enough. Maybe that has to do with Erica. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we have some sort of subconscious bias coming into this, right? Um, cause yeah, I, I totally like the fact that we are strongly considering the same four people. Maybe that's a sign that's less open than we're talking. Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Anyways, that's our show. We'll find out how wrong we are next week. Um, so feel free to contact us on Reddit. 
Uh, this one's going to be going up on Sunday. Uh, it looks like maybe that, that'll be kind of the, the vibe moving forward. Uh, we'll post new episodes every weekend. If you do have any inquiries, feel free to email us at thewinneredit at gmail.com. I always love seeing all the comments and stuff on Reddit and the email, all that stuff. We read them all. Um, it's a, it's a great time. We're happy that you folks are loving the podcast. Uh, I, I, I think maybe there's a good time to shout out. I, I saw a lot of great um, reviews on Apple Podcasts. Mm. Uh, if you do have any time in your day, like definitely, like we really appreciate that. It definitely helps the podcast grow. We can see the numbers grow as those reviews come in. And that like for us, it means a lot, right? Like this is just a passion project. We do this for fun. Uh, and it's awesome to see it grow and more people here and everything like that. So definitely appreciate those reviews. If you do have a minute, definitely throw us a review. Feel free to be honest and all your thoughts and everything like that. Um, yeah. Any thoughts, Joe? No, I, I think you said it good. I'm trying to think of a clever joke where I'm like talking about putting us behind a paywall, but we'll never be behind a paywall. So, um, but yeah, no, thank you. This is truly just like a fun project that like, I think we'll do until, I don't know, we die, survivor dies. <laughs> yeah. Which, whichever happens first at this rate, uh, ho- I, hopefully us, right? Like, yeah, I could go for like survivor 150. Then we'll just find replacements. So like, in the, I mean, but you'll probably be dead listener so sorry rest in yeah. peace <laughs> rest in peace but yeah we could always convert to tough as nails which i'm sure will outlive survivor mm-hmm. uh but yeah that's our show and later gators and if you were watching closely there was a clue got the million dollar check written already i mean i'm i'm the winner oh my gosh it's like a million my wife and kids have definitely saved me from my demons last time i played like a cop this time i'm playing like a criminal i don't need to be careful are coming together and we're spinning the guys around as much as we can and then we're devouring them i guess my nickname's fabio each new day i get out here is a blessing because i was only supposed to get three so i'm either gonna